Trevor, and welcome to Catching Up on Cinema. Now, if you aren't familiar with the program, Catching Up on Cinema is a film analysis podcast wherein we introduce each other to films, expand our cinematic horizons, and, in essence, catch up on our cinema. So it is the month of April 2022, and it's once again that very special time of the month wherein we do our very special Tales from the Shelf episode. Uh, and in joining me in this endeavor, I have my good buddy Brad from the Cinema Speak podcast. How's it going, Brad? Oh, it's going great. Thanks for having me back for another month of uh, looking at uh, stuff that I own and, um, in this case, haven't watched. <laughs> <laughs> Always glad to have you, Brad. Uh, I'm, I'm so happy to have a buddy to, to work through this program with. But uh, folks at home, if you're not aware of what a Tales from the Shelf episode entails, uh, essentially what we're going to be doing here today is just a... Uh, sharing some war stories about our respective physical media collections. Uh, in, in our case, uh, DVDs, Blu-rays, and 4K discs, movies, if you will. Uh, and for today's episode, uh, we are actually revisiting something that, uh, Brad, correct me if I'm wrong, has been at least a year since we've done one of these? I think it was, if I'm correct in remembering, it was like August of 2020 when we oh. uh, lasted the backlog. So it's been a while. Holy shit. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's been a minute, folks. Uh, so it's long overdue, I guess, at this point. Maybe this should be like an annual thing, like a cleaning out the closet sort of yeah. thing. But uh, what we're going to be doing today, folks, uh, is the backlog boogie, uh, part deux, if you will. Uh, so this is a theme that we have done previous, uh, as Brad had said, in 2020. Uh, and the backlog boogie is essentially us taking a look at our uh, backlog of films. Uh, that would be discs that we have not watched, or if you want to expand it even further, uh, movies we may have seen previous, uh, but discs we have not put into our players before. Uh, so basically, we're just going to spotlight some movies that happen to reside in our respective backlogs at the moment. Uh, in my case, and I'm sure this is the case with you as well, Brad, uh, some of these picks uh probably have been sitting on the backlog shelf since 2020 and oh, probably yeah. haven't probably will not move for another two years long before 2020 long before okay well be sure <laughs> to point out the ones that have been collecting dust yeah uh, that's part of the ritual like that's that's part of the process yeah um so anyway uh, as is customary uh being as it's my show and i'm the host I'm going to throw my good buddy Brad under the bus uh, and request that he uh, be the first uh, to start us off and share the first title from his backlog. Yeah, well, um, let's see here. How do I start? So I guess I kind of there's a little bit of a theme, a little bit of an unintentional theme with my backlog, and it's almost like um, regret, I guess would be the theme, because with a lot of my uh, picks here, I don't think I have... I mean, I guess I maybe have one 4K, but most of my picks right now are Blu-ray, and some of these are films that I purchased on Blu-ray, never watched, and are now coming out on 4K, um, which, you know, puts you in the dilemma of, okay, so now do I watch this movie on Blu-ray before I purchase the 4K so I can justify my Blu-ray purchase? Should I just skip over Blu-ray even though I spent my money on it and go straight to 4K? What am I going to do here? I mean, you know, it's a really it's a tough situation. Have you ever found yourself in that, uh, Trevor? Oh, absolutely. That, yeah. it, it's a very common occurrence uh, in the Trevor household. Uh, very sad, very frustrating, but it's it's just natural part of being a collector. Yep. So this one, the first one, it's not uh, it's like kind of half in that zone. It's not a total like I bought this film and it was upgraded to 4K. Some of those are like that, and we'll get into that later. But this one 
uh, is a film from a very famous filmmaker. I, some would maybe say one of the most famous film. I, you know, I'd maybe say top three, maybe top three. Um, and his uh, filmography, I've seen, I've, I've seen a good deal of his filmography, but I have not seen all of it. And I was kind of purchasing a lot of his uh, films that I haven't seen. I'm like, I'm just gonna go through from start to finish sometime and do a full on go through everything because he doesn't have that much. And I guess I'll I'll stop uh, teasing you. The the filmmaker is. Mr. Stanley Kubrick, and uh, the film I'm highlighting right here is the Criterion release of *The Killing*, one of his very early films. And I think I do think I own all of Kubrick's films on Blu-ray at some in some form. I think I could be wrong, but um, this film it's uh, it's a noir. I believe it's like a heist film, um, and. Supposed to be great, you know, like you say, if it's in Criterion Collection, there's a reason to own it. But the reason that uh, it's a bit of a regret for me is not necessarily because of the killing. You got a nice little booklet here, if you can, on the on the video. Um, not necessarily because of the, the killing, but this also includes Stanley Kubrick's earlier film, which I believe is called Killer's Kiss. Um, I think it might be his very first film, actually. And Killer's Kiss... Um, is now being put out uh, on 4K by Kino. So this was a bonus feature on the Killing Disc, and now Kino is releasing it in 4K, and I'm sure it's going to look much better. Like, I don't know what sort of transfer was done for the Killer's Kiss, because it's only a bonus feature on the Criterion Disc of the Killing. So I don't know. But I, my plan was, like, when I purchased this disc here, this disc of the Killing, I'm like, boom, it includes, it's basically... Kubrick's first two films, one purchase, easy. If I'm going to do his whole uh, filmography, bada bing, bada boom, easy purchase. But now, like, am I going to wait and purchase the uh, Kino disc of uh, Killer's Kiss, or should I just watch the bonus feature version? I don't know. It's it's a tough situation, and I don't know how I'm going to proceed. It's been keeping me up at night. Huh. That is, that is a dilemma. I, I think that, hmm, I think, like, I think most people would be prone to purchase like an additional disc to like for display purposes. I guess yeah. like if like if you're a, a Kubrick head, it's only appropriate that you showcase each individual title in its own in its own case. Um, but it is difficult when you know you're you're trying to keep the lights on, you're paying your bills, and you know deep down I do technically have that movie already. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Trevor, I guess uh, should I bring this up now? I guess I will. And we get you, you into can, it, Brad. You can edit this out because I'm not endorsing this in any way. But here's a little tip for you, just a little tip. And I this has certainly helped my Blu-ray spending. It has made it a little less taxing while not cutting back on my spending of blues. So I I found this thing, and you're gonna think this is some like scam or something. Oh, Maybe shit. you've heard of this. I don't know, but it's a thing. <laughs> this isn't gonna be some multi-level marketing. No, it's, it's, it? you might think it is, but it's this not. is this is really going to upset our relationship, it's, Brad. It's, if don't it worry, is. don't worry. If it is, it's it's not. <laughs> it's just a nice way to supplement income. All right, and I'm not endorsing this in any way. And you get full permission if you want to edit this out. But I found a thing. It's called Swag Bucks. Have you oh. heard of Swagbox? 
No, but the name is fucking sketch <laughs> as hell. <laughs> All right, it's a, here's here's the deal. It's it's a it's a little sketch, but it's actually not. I I will say I have been using Swagbucks for uh, about a month and a half now, and it has helped me purchase several Blu-rays and 4Ks um, without spending a dime. And he, what Swagbucks is is it's an app, or you can do it on the web, but I use the app. It's basically they are a service that like these marketing companies, these it's basically surveys. You get paid to take surveys and you take a survey and you get, you earn swag bucks and you cash those swag bucks in for gift cards. And I've been taking these surveys and cashing them in for Amazon gift cards. And that's how I purchased the Kino 4k release of the apartment. So, you know, it's, it's listen, it's not in terms of your time. It's not good. Like the amount of time you put into it. But I'm just saying, every day when you're sitting on the can in the morning, if you take a Swagbucks survey, you can earn, you know, 25 cents. Boom. That adds up. If over time, you can uh, earn yourself a nice Kino 4K without taking any money out of your checkbook. So just a little, a little tip there. Uh, I've, I've bought uh, Dream a Little Dream, the Vestron release, Kino of the Apartment. Right now, I'm trying to earn swag bucks so I can get the 4K set of the Godfather trilogy. Working on that. I tell you, um, it's you know when we get to keeping the lights on, just a little, little way to help. Every bit helps. No, n- none of the laughs I just had, by the way, are are meant to be shitting on you. No, actually, okay. I, no, I, actually, I, I think that's admirable because that that is a that is a good use of time. Like like you said, if you're just taking shit in the morning, you don't have anything better to do. Um, and you do have like a, a collecting habit that you want to enjoy and mm-hmm. maybe take away some of the guilt associated with the, you know, the expenditure that comes with that hobby. Yeah, more power to you, man. I mean, in my case, I've been consolidating my collection and uh, selling things on eBay lately uh, to, to do exactly what you're doing with your gift card situation, with your swag buck situation, where it's basically it's like, it just evens out. Yeah. Where it's like I'm no longer losing money doing it. I'm just basically just shuffling it around now so thanks for the psa that's actually kind of neat yeah i mean you know check it out like i i did my research i was like is this legit because i was like i was was skeptical and yeah it's it's legit i mean it's uh they also do a thing called swag bucks live every night they have a trivia contest and you can earn uh some swag bucks if you get all the questions correct just a fun little thing just a great you know especially if it's a slow day at work do a few surveys earn some swag bucks Bada bing, bada boom, you're good. <laughs> okay, well, let, let's bring it back to the killing, then. <laughs> <clears throat> so Kubrick is, you know, as you said, probably top three, top five best directors of all time, it, like in most people's minds. Um, and you said you own basically his entire filmography? I did say that. Uh, I did rem- I forgot about Spartacus. I don't own Spartacus. Um, oh, there's, there's probably another one I'm forgetting I don't own, but I own most of his films. Uh, I'm pretty okay. sure I own all of his stuff that's been in the Criterion Collection. Um, but, yeah, I own most of his stuff. Okay. Um, and in terms of, like, which ones you've seen, like, have you seen basically all of his movies as well? Uh, no, like, I haven't seen The Killing, obviously, yeah. or uh, Killer's yeah, Kiss. Yeah, obviously. I've seen most <clears throat> of his later stuff. Uh, I know I haven't seen um, Barry Lyndon... Or uh, that Lolita. I haven't seen Lolita. So I guess there is a... And I don't own Lolita either. So I guess there is several that I don't own. But 
I would say I've got like probably 75% of his stuff on disc. So, I, you know, I'm, I'm most of the way there. Okay. Well, in terms of your collector's itch, do you have an impulse to like rush out and correct that? Or is it just like, I'll get to it when I get to it kind of thing? Yeah, I kind of, I kind of do have a <coughs> bit of a, that's the thing. It's like, I do this a lot with, um, when I watch movies is I kind of go through phases where I like hot, like pick a filmmaker and just kind of go through front to back as much of their stuff as I can. Um, with some directors, it's like impossible. Cause like I recently did, uh, um, Spike Lee. I think that was maybe like a couple of years ago. I was pretty, uh, unversed in Spike Lee's filmography. Like I really hadn't seen much. And so I went through, but he's got so many films and documentaries and like there's to go through it all is just too much. But I went through and I hit a lot of his big ones. And, uh, but I definitely think Stanley Kubrick is a bit more doable because definitely like in his later years, I mean, the guy was putting out one movie a decade, so it's not quite, as, not quite as hard to watch at all. Um, but yeah, I've got, I think, yeah. Uh, I guess I don't have fear and desire. I don't even know what that is. Yeah, I've never even heard that title that's before. His, I guess that's his first, at least listed here, um, from 1953. So I guess wow. there's four that I don't have. Um, three, three, four. Yeah, so, but I've got most of them anyway, but. Okay, well, I, I actually really missed taking on projects like that. I, I used to do that uh, when I had more time, like, like in my college or immediate, like, post-college years. Like, one of my favorite stretches of doing that was uh david cronenberg mm-hmm. like i i just took advantage of the school network and was just like watching like like you had said like like from front to back essentially his entire filmography and to date he's like one of the few directors that i've ever done that with and i i was really happy i committed the time to do that because that was awesome but kubrick is one of those one of those prestigious directors that i have seen a chunk of his filmography but i probably owe it to myself to to do that same thing with i i think i've only seen maybe three or four of his movies like i I saw i don't think i completed it but i I started to watch spartacus when i was way too young to appreciate it uh very long movie not not a good idea for a youngster (laughs) to try to take that one on um i've seen the shining which is excellent of course um Kyle actually uh, is a very big Kubrick fan. My regular co-host Kyle, um, he actually lent me uh, a Clockwork Orange, and I'm really glad he did. That was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Like I was really impressed with that. So I wouldn't have seen that without him. Um, but beyond that, I don't know that I've seen his other films. But uh, The Killing, uh, maybe you should get around to that. Maybe maybe you should uh, use that as like a signal to you that it's like maybe it's time for a deep dive on Kubrick or something. Yeah, and, uh, you know, definitely could be one with Criterion release in 4Ks and stuff. I would not be surprised if this is something they deem worthy of releasing in 4K just because it's, uh, you know, a big director, and I'm sure it would sell. Although, looking at the back, it it just says New Digital Restoration. So I don't know when this uh, disc came out. I don't know if this was a 4K restoration at all. It just says New Digital Restoration, which I don't think really tells us much, but... You know, so they might have to pay for a new uh, 4K restoration if they were going to put it out on 4K. But um, I need to watch it before that news is even announced, so I don't have to deal with that issue. Yeah, maybe get out in front of that yeah. <laughs> because because this this problem could get even worse if you yeah. give it too much time. But 
Oh, I just remembered I've also seen 2001, A Space Odyssey. Totally forgot about that one. Uh, Have you ever heard that song, uh, Under the Masonic Moon? Um, I don't think so. Apparently, it's like a a documentary about the the moon landing. It's it's a conspiracy theory documentary or Mm. something. I haven't seen it. I've heard it referenced on like a a movie podcast that Kyle and I both listen to that uh, it's like a, yeah, it's like a conspiracy theory podcast or documentary about Stanley Kubrick filming the moon landing or something. And I guess the opening is like a song. It's just under the Masonic moon <laughs> filmed by Stanley Kubrick. Really? Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> it's a banger. <laughs> I'm, I'm really concerned about like the contents of the documentary, but that song is a banger. <laughs> hey, sometimes that's all, that's all you need. I mean, you can just leave it at the song. You don't need to get into the content of the film. I mean, that's where I left it. I was yeah. like, I have no interest in anything in this documentary, but the, the podcast made it sound pretty funny so i at least looked up that yeah yeah so your theme was regrets correct for that i mean that's for that pick that's kind of the theme of everything i do but yeah i I suppose yeah that's my (laughs) i like how the name of the episode is the backlog boogie and it's like it's just like sullen dour (laughs) regrets (laughs) failure (laughs) huh well what does what do i have that fits the theme of regrets uh, I do have a Criterion pick, though. Okay. All right. Uh, um, and this is this fits into that category of films that I have seen, um, but discs I have not watched. Uh, so I have seen this film. I know it quite well. There's a reason I bought it. It's because I, I know and like it. But uh, I have never found the right occasion to watch this, and it's actually grating on me because I have I bought this wanting to watch it and I just haven't had the right occasion. Anyway, uh, this is a Criterion disc of uh, Juzo Itami's Tampopo mm. uh, from 1985. Uh, it's a Japanese film uh, about a woman uh, that basically has an adventure in learning how to make like the quote perfect bowl of ramen. So like Japanese noodle soup. Um, and this movie is so goddamn charming. Uh, <laughs> like everything about it makes you f- like makes you feel very good when you're watching it. It's very easy to slip into the characters, and there are many are so very likable. Um, the movie has a lovely look and a texture to it, and it has uh, something that it has a quality to it that seems to be like a, a consistent thing among like Japanese storytelling. It's 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 a procedural in its own way. That somehow just just through the process of exploring and learning a thing in depth, like a, a, a task or, or a activity, somehow you just get engrossed in it. And instead of being the stalest, most boring fucking thing you can imagine, somehow it ends up being the most fascinating fucking thing you've ever seen. <laughs> Where it's like, like, like if you look at like even like the world of like anime and manga, like there's there's basically a comic book for every hobby that exists. I'm almost 100% positive there's like a model train manga. There's definitely a bread making manga that was yeah. very, very popular. There's sports. And it's basically just like taking a, a taking a magnifying glass and putting it over a subject and exploring the procedure of it and the ritual behind it in the extreme. And I can even think of other Japanese films uh, that also kind of have this similar kind of vibe to them. Uh, one of them is actually a film that's very near and dear to me. It's like 
one of the only movies I've ever seen in the theater uh, with my grandma, uh, who is Japanese and lives in Hawaii. Uh, it's it's a uh, called Okuri Bito, uh, or Departures, um, and it's about Japanese funeral rituals. Um, there's also a Japanese film called I think The Funeral, which is also about a funeral, <laughs> but this one's about like a, a traditional funeral procedure that is somewhat arcane and not especially well known especially considering that like handling of dead bodies is considered very taboo in that culture Mm -hmm. but the movie is absolutely gorgeous and has one of the most beautiful soundtracks i've ever heard uh it's a joe hisaishi who did uh most of hayao miyazaki's films um he he has a he has a sound that Brad, I'm, I'm sure even you, like if you've seen a, a few Miyazaki films, you probably kind of know what I'm, I'm getting at there. Yeah. Um, but in addition to departures, you also have a taxing woman um, that's about tax auditing. <laughs> it's the most, it's the most engrossing and fucking awesome movie you can imagine. It's yeah. about tax auditing <laughs> and they make it so fucking interesting. <laughs> and that's, that's the case with Tom Popo. Or it's 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 that we're just we're just making noodles. We're learning how to make fucking delicious noodles, and it's so fucking fascinating and entertaining. And a lot of it has to do with just the the vibe, um, the characters, and and just how colorful things are. Like mm-hmm. every every supporting character, no matter how minor, has like some moment associated with them that is very very memorable. Um, and this is a movie I, I've really really wanted to give another watch. Um, and here's the part where I'll explain uh, why I haven't. It's because uh, my girlfriend is very much a foodie. Like, f- I'm not. I am absolutely not. I, I eat spam and rice. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> like, like, that's that's 90% of my diet. I am, I am content to eat my bowl of spam, rice, and occasionally eggs. Um, Food is just the uh, energy that it gives you to what get you to watch a movie like it's just, it's just literally the thing that keeps you alive enough to watch your next movie see he gets it he gets <laughs> it like girlfriend if you're listening brad brad understands why don't you <laughs> scrambled eggs and hot dogs damn straight <laughs> <laughs> if i had hot dogs i would eat exactly that tonight yep. i only have eggs so it's just gonna be scrambled eggs and rice <laughs> <laughs> but I am not much of a foodie. She is. And this movie absolutely showcases glorious, beautiful food. And I could totally see her being enraptured with with some of the sequences in this film. Um, So basically, I bought this with the intention of watching it with her. Mm. And we just haven't ever found an occasion to watch it. So I'm like, well, I know I'm going to watch it with her. I know I want to watch it, but... Basically, I'm creating a situation where if I decide to watch it on my own, I, I'm guaranteeing that I'm going to have to watch it with her again. So it's like I'm just holding I'm perpetually holding off in the hopes that I will only have to watch it once in, in however many days or years to come. Mm-hmm. But anyway, here's the interior, by the way. Oh, nice. Very nice. It has a nice uh, fold out here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah what's the nice uh, what's the spine number on that bad boy? Give us a little number here. It is eight. 68, uh, if, if that's readable. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's um, the, you know, that's like you were saying. The kind of thing where sometimes when it, with a film, the more hyper-specific you are in your subject matter, you know, there's some interest there. If you just make a film about, I don't know, like something broad that's been made a million times before, like, 
you know, it's harder to stand out. It's, you know, it's kind of like, uh, like with YouTube algorithms. Like, if you're going to post a review of Avengers Age of Ultron, you know, it's going to be it's gonna be tough to break through. It's going to be tough to break through. But if you, uh, you know, put out a review of Vinegar Syndrome's 4K release of Dracula Sucks, well, then you might, uh, you might be able to break through on those algorithms there because you're, you're hitting a, more of a niche market. So, you know, it kind of falls into that zone. Are you going to be giving us a review of Dracula Sucks soon? Uh, no, I did. <laughs> <laughs> I, I need to state this. I've stated it before. I've stated it again. As much as I love Vinegar Syndrome, I do not own any of their adult film titles, including Dr- Dracula Sucks. <laughs> okay. I just figured I'd ask. <laughs> not yet, at least. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't think YouTube would be very happy about that, even in audio form. That's true. But... <laughs> that's true. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, you, you're absolutely right about like how searches work and whatnot. Like if if you if you cast too wide a net, if you just rush out to do the thing that everybody else is doing, you're you're not going to get found at all. Um, but more more niche things, the the right people are will be prone to find that thing. Mm-hmm. So like if if say you're googling movies about ramen specifically, you'll find, I think there's like a Britney Murphy movie. <laughs> Um, and then that, <laughs> and then Tom Popo. <laughs> so uh, I'm pretty sure there is like, it's, I think it was her. I, I haven't watched it myself, but I remember like scrolling through the girlfriend's Netflix and she, she likes Brittany Murphy. So of course she shows up in her search results. Am I right, Brad? Uh, there is a, is it, uh, the ramen girl? That, that... That'd be it, Brad. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Brittany Murphy. Yeah. Hey, okay. this guy's got a memory on him. <laughs> but yeah, it's pretty impressive. It's about a, a girl who goes to Japan and decides to and learn how to cook ramen. Yeah. Um, that's a movie that exists. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It might be, could be a little cultural appropriation going in on there. I don't know. This is from 2008. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just, it seems like a little bit of a dated, let's uh, make a movie about Japanese culture and our main character is going to be a white woman. <laughs> yeah. I hate to say it, but you know, Mr. Baseball was in like the nineties and like, I don't know that like America's respect for other cultures had grown much even yeah. by 2008. <laughs> so, so probably not. Um, I, I, mean, <laughs> I have I have no idea about what I don't have any idea what that movie is. I've just seen the poster. I'm, I'm looking at the poster, and even the poster seems a little problematic. And listen, <laughs> like, I'm not oh, one of those guys oh, that's gonna say yeah. I'm not canceling the Robin Girl. I'm just saying I don't know if this would fly in today's uh, age. I'm just saying I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not about to run out and go watch it. I no. I, I have my Robin movie, and it's Tom Popol. Yeah, it's excellent. Uh, have you seen or heard of it, Brad? Uh, I have heard of it and know of it basically only from its uh, reputation in the Criterion Collection. I really, I, I kind of knew it was about ramen just based on the cover of the Criterion artwork, but that's about it. Yeah, I, I would recommend it. It's a, it's a good couple's watch, too. So, like, if you twist your girlfriend's arm, maybe she'll be nice and watch it with you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I will say that uh, you, you were wrong. I don't want to call you wrong or, or a liar, but I... I will. Um, there, there are four movies that come up when you Google movies about oh, really? ramen. What are they? What are they? The Tom Popo and the Ramen Girl, of course. <laughs> but also, uh, there is a movie called Ramen Shop from 2018, and oh. uh, I love the title of this: Ramen Heads from 2017. <laughs> is that like a horror <laughs> movie or something, or no, a documentary? Uh, I think it's a. I think it's a doc, maybe. 
I mean, that sounds like a like a drama and like fanatic film or something. Yeah, like, it just sounds uh, like we're, something we're I would. Hunting for the best bull. Yeah. in, the, in so, the country or the city or something. Sounds like something I would say. Like I'm a real ramen head. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you you actually gotten me in the habit of just throwing head like just as a, <laughs> as, a as a catch-all suffix for whatever the fuck. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah, I'm a real wrestling head. Yeah, I'm yeah, a baseball yeah. head. Yeah, I'm a hot dog head. It works for everything. <laughs> scrambled egg and hot dog head. yeah i'm a scrambled egg and hot dog head <laughs> oh yeah. yeah real connoisseur over here yeah. okay well that's about it for tom popo i didn't actually have a whole lot to say about it but um brad what is what is your next uh, backlog pick well i don't i don't have any films here about food um but let's just say i did i did mention vinegar syndrome a few minutes ago and i am a vinegar syndrome head so i'm gonna do uh I hope you don't mind. I'm gonna highlight a couple films here. Oh wow! You, yeah. you, you, this is this is a first, folks at home. Normally, I'm the first one to to cheat and share more than one title at a time. But I'm glad Brad is is embracing the custom of breaking the rules because there are no rules. It's yeah. fucking Thunderdome in here. We're just having fun. We're just having a good time. Yeah, so um, go for it. So the first one, I the first one here, I I, I don't say too much about it. It doesn't really uh, fall into the re- regret category. But the second one. A little bit does. Um, this one is Silent Madness 3D, which actually this one is like the opposite of a regret <laughs> because uh, this one, it was in the 20, it was last year's uh, halfway to Black Friday sale. So last year's May sale. And this one, I was, I made my order Friday night and then Saturday I was, I was checking the site and the, you know, the limited edition with the slip cover very nice embossed the the limited edition was down to like only a hundred units or whatever and i'm like do i really want to purchase this slasher movie and i said well if it's in 3d yeah hell yeah i do i better get it while it's the limited edition so this is kind of the opposite of a regret but you know it's just a slasher about a an escaped uh mental patient who goes on a killing spree and kills a bunch of uh young co-eds i think while they're camping or something i don't know I did watch maybe the first five, ten minutes of it to try out the 3D, which the 3D glasses are very nice. You've got your branded Silent Madness 3D glasses. Only comes I'm with. Put them uh, on for a sec. Yeah, it only comes. It's uh, you know, very nice. Only hey. comes with uh, <laughs> what two two pair? If so, if this is a pair, if you can call this a pair, you know what I mean. Yeah. The, the language on that doesn't really track. Well, yeah, I, I don't understand it. Maybe it's because there's two lenses. Must be. Yeah. So you could only watch this in 3D with um, one other person at a time. But there is a uh, 2D version. You can watch a 2D version. And also there's the uh, like re- there's the the good 3D, like if you have an actual 3D television, or the just, you know, like old school shitty 3D, which I don't have a 3D TV, so that's how I would have to experience it. But, you know, just a fun little slasher there. Uh, watched a little bit of it just to test out the 3D. But the one that I actually have regret on, and not really regret, but uh, it, it is Forgotten Jolly Volume 1. Forgotten Jolly Volume 1, which contains, let's see here. Got it. Uh, trauma, <laughs> police are blundering in the dark, and the killer is one of 13. So it's three films, and... Two reasons this is a regret. First of all, I 
I've only gotten into vinegar syndrome in the last uh, probably three, three and a half years, maybe four years. It's, you know, but it's not like I've been keeping up on them forever. And uh, I did not get the limited edition of this. So this is just the standard edition, which it, it contains all the same stuff, all the same shit. But I got to be honest, this case for these three films, a little dinky, not a big fan. Like you look at with the limited edition box of this. Oh, it's gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous. So bit of a regret there. Also, the other reason it's a regret is that um, I don't know if you know, but there is an Arrow sale going on right now, Trevor. I'm um, aware. Right now. And I uh, you know, was going through adding stuff to my cart, and they have uh, a couple sets called Jalo Essentials. And I, I do I do like Jalo films. I mean, I know you, you kind of have said something like you can defer to me when it comes to Jalo because— You're the Jalo head in, I'm in a, my I'm the Jalo head. <laughs> But I, I don't know if I'd say I'm too big of a head because the, the Jalo Essentials, I've not seen any films in either of those sets. So I'm like, if I'm the Jalo head, I need to pop on these. Um, but then it just gets into the zone like, here I've got three Jalo films, Forgotten Jolly, Volume 1, and I have not watched a single one of them. And here I'm going to buy another set of Jalo films, probably do the same thing, not watch a single one of them. Although I am better at Arrow for some reason. I don't know. I, I do tend to actually watch most of my Arrow releases, at least one of them, like one out of the three. But anyway, uh, yeah, just some, you know, old school, jolly, jalo, whatever you want to call it. Uh, can't speak to the content of the films because I haven't seen them, but I am a fan of the genre. And, uh, you know, I keep, uh, I this, this crossed my mind earlier this week. I was like, I should watch one of these bad boys. Maybe, maybe this week it'll happen. We'll see. Yeah, I'm hopeful that that happens because that you you often do talk about Jalo, and I can I know you have an appreciation for the genre, so it's only appropriate that you crack open the essentials. But uh, I would like to point, ooh, very slick, nice reversible artwork there. I always like that. That's a nifty feature. Uh, it made me very happy to find that on a was it Scream Factory's uh, alligator disc? Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, because I, like. As a kid, I remember walking by the VHS cover of Alligator, and I always thought that that painted image of like the like the misty sewer uh, alligator, like it, like it's it's gorgeous. I always it's, liked yeah. it, and I was really happy to see that they included that because uh, I honestly I'm not a huge fan of the or the new cover that they went with, but it's reversible, so I don't have to worry about that. But um, I would like to point out, um, if correct me if I'm wrong, Brad, but uh, the the title that those those goggles came from uh you featured that in one of your youtube videos correct i believe it was featured in an unboxing video it might have been my very it might have been one you edited actually the one that you yeah, re you re-edited <laughs> yeah folks uh, it, it's it's not to be released to the public but um when when brad was getting started with his youtube career uh let's call it what it is um I took it upon myself to take the raw footage and just have my way with it. Um, so I have my personal edit of, of Brad's first video. And yeah, I think it was the one, uh, the Vinegar Syndrome unboxing. That's right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And good, I, good you times. still, uh, like, you did a great job on that. And I still steal some of your uh, your bits that you uh, put in there. I still steal some of, like, the uh, the, the shaking of the, the box and the glass uh, shattering. <laughs> A classic like that's just a great bit I, I think i use that for every unboxing uh well remember that when uh when you hit it big and you can give me a producer's credit yeah <laughs> and then i can reap all the benefits i mean your, your video was basically the producer's cut so i mean there you go 
it's the pilot is yeah. what it is <laughs> there you go but but yeah uh i it's funny i've never actually watched a, a 3d film uh at home i mean i've seen a couple in the theater uh in the post avatar years i saw avatar in the theater in 3d um and then like one or two other 3d movies uh mostly just because of time slots honestly it had nothing to do with actually seeking out the 3d it was just we're here now like this is the only showing available so i guess we'll get the 3d yeah and i always remember having to do like research about like the shitty 3d movies of which there were far too many to count where like they were post-processed like they weren't shot with the intention of being rendered in 3d so like when you went to go see them they're just like a a dark murky mess Mm -hmm. when you had your 3d glasses on but i've never actually done the the blue and red uh, goggle thing before i've had opportunities like i remember my dad pointing out that there was a i think it was a creature from the black lagoon um vhs tape uh, at our grocery store that, that it was advertised with the 3d and i think it, they would give you the glasses with it when you rented it but we never did that i think my <laughs> blu-ray of creature from the black lagoon includes let me see if i can find here includes a 3d <laughs> I'm sure it's easy to do with two pairs of with two pair of 3D goggles on. Starting to get dizzy. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, includes on camera 3D and 2D versions. So yeah, you can uh, because yeah, it was marketed as a it was released as a 3D film. But um, I don't own a 3D television, so but that's what's great with Silent Madness is that it does include the old school. You know, you don't need a 3D television or whatnot. Like, you can just watch it on. Or I got it. Um, <laughs> you're gonna go cross. You're gonna go cross-eyed, man. Um, but yeah, ch- check it out. Uh, I remember watching the first five, ten minutes and wasn't blown away by the 3D. I was like, oh, this is gonna be a lot of fun, and uh, wasn't that fun. Um, but the movie, I'm sure, is, I'm just, it's not a comment on the movie. It's more just uh, I was, you know, 3D was a little <laughs> lame. I mean, I, I'm not expecting miracles or anything. Like, it's it's an antiquated technology. I don't think that it was ever all that good. But the novelty factor is, is very, very high. So that's kind of neat. But very handsome releases from Vindicar Syndrome. Like, they, their packaging is always just chef's kiss. Beautiful. They always kill um, it. Yeah, they always do. Um, but I don't actually have very many titles of theirs. Uh, I still haven't, like, gotten fully on board with the vinegar syndrome train just just because their their releases just happen to carry a, a hefty price tag and um i don't know it, it's it's just never the right time for me but i i am an admirer of their releases they they are absolutely gorgeous showcase pieces to put on your shelf for sure yeah i um, mean they're starting to really expand their catalog to like really interesting titles like things that i'm i'm most uh, things that i'm actually interested in well and they're they're partner labels too like they've got so many partner labels now it's like legitimately insane like I've there's told, i said it before man i'm pretty sure vinegar syndrome is is going to like occupy a greater like footprint in in the media landscape like they're i think they're making moves and i think they're doing very very well yeah um yeah i wouldn't be surprised if they start producing like producing more films um and like you said their partner catalog list just keeps growing and growing so i'm not going to be shocked at all if like vinegar syndrome becomes kind of a power player um in the media landscape going forward you heard it here first folks and i'm not going to disagree with them 
Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, uh, vinegar syndrome titles, regrets, 3D. I don't really have anything to go with any of that. Headaches, vomiting. He- oh, headaches and vomiting. I might have that. That's um, how I feel right now. <laughs> So these I'll do two as well, um, and they're slightly connected, I guess, in that they're both both share a genre or a medium, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. But these are not regretful purchases. These are um, not not ill advised either. But I guess this is more of a case of biting off more than you can chew, um, where it's just like you 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 get a thing and you're you're in the right space mentally when you hit the buy button like at whatever vendor you're buying it from and then by the time it gets to your doorstop it's like i don't have time for this <laughs> and then it goes on the backlog shelf and it sits there for two years and then three years and, and however many years because it's just never the right time like, yeah it's kind of the case with tom popo although in this case it's mostly just um i don't do well with series format and I've talked to I've talked to you about this before, Brad. That like series are very intimidating to me. Like movies are more enticing because I, I know I know what I'm getting into. It's like it's an hour and a half or it's a two hour thing, and then then I'm done. However many sessions it takes, it's like it's just two hours. I can I can get through that. But like a 25 episode television series or something, it's like I my brain can't project that far ahead in terms of like how many sessions that's gonna take. Like how much of how much of a commitment that's going to have to be so i i oftentimes just don't start um it's endlessly frustrating because there's so many good series format titles out there these days like we're we're kind of in a golden age for this short this sort of thing um anyway um so i have here uh, some more japanese shit because it's me um big big fucking surprise <laughs> <laughs> uh so uh, i have here uh, two box sets of two different anime series um, that happen to be nostalgia picks uh, for, for me and a lot of people in my relative age range. Uh, so that would be uh, Outlaw Star, and this is, um, I think, 50 episodes maybe, or 49. Um, and then I also have uh, a box that I believe I showed off when uh, we talked with Brian and Michelle uh, from the Movies for Life podcast. Uh, by the way, uh, super fucking jealous of uh, Michelle's uh, Tremors uh, box from Arrow. Oh, yeah. Damn, that thing was spectacular. <laughs> like, I didn't know it was that fucking cool until she showed it. I it's was a good-looking like, set, yeah. I was like, fuck. That, and it's also the right movie for, for me, and probably you, too, where it's like, that. that's a box that we should... Brad, you and I should have that box. That that is a regret I have. That is yeah, one of my... for real. I, I'm I am kicking myself over that because I really I really do love that movie. Did, um, did you pick up the RoboCop 4K? Don't make that mistake again. I bud. did. I did because of that. Because of that conversation. Because of that exhibition of that arrow box. I was like, holy shit, that's what they look like. Yep. I did. I didn't know that. I was not aware of that. <laughs> I am all in on the arrow 4K trains. I've got yeah, Dune, I, I, Hills I'm Have Eyes, and RoboCop impressed. now. Yeah, I, I got an American Werewolf in London and RoboCop. Yeah. Purely purely off of the strength of that exhibition of that Tremors box, because and I had no idea that that's what, that's what they give you. An American Werewolf in London, it's got the limited edition box, too? It does. Oh, I got, yeah, I, 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 was, for, I was fortunate... 
<laughs> Wish you hadn't have said that. <laughs> you better go get uh, go do some more surveys. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take a survey while you highlight this next one. Yeah. So, uh, so the whole time I'm talking here, like folks at home, if you just see Brad's eyes looking towards his lap, it's because he's, diddl- <laughs> he's diddling his phone and getting paid so he can get an American Werewolf in London. <laughs> Um, anyway, uh, this box, as I said, I did show this off before, but I'll show it again. Um, this is the uh, uh, Neon Genesis Evangelion. Mm. Like su- It's like the Super Duper Special Edition, but not the Super Duper Kapow Special Edition. It's like the good Special Edition, but not like the ultimate Special Edition. But it's, it was good enough for me, and it's quite expensive. Um, but it's an absolutely gorgeous package. Like It has the textured embossed hair. That's got the spine, and it's on Blu-ray, by the way. It's not 4K. We have the Nerve uh, emblem here, um, and it comes in three different clamshell cases. It includes the movies, the compilation, like the movie, uh, the end of Evangelion, uh, the compilation movie uh, that's like a, a recap of the entire television series, the 25 or 26 episode television series, and then a curious special feature that's included with the discs of the series is a uh, it's a it includes the original english dub so they they redid the audio track for this release um but it also includes like the late 90s dub uh, which is objectively bad but if you have nostalgia for that which many of us do it's included in here like if you want to hear the objectively worse english dub go for it i I mean (laughs) it's kind of funny brad like um to go down a rabbit hole for just one second i'm gonna it's not gonna be a big tangent i promise dude i talked um, about swag box for 10 minutes at the start of this you're good dude you're good we have to tag swag box <laughs> um you you've seen uh akira correct let's just say that one more time akira uh, uh no the... i have not oh you haven't i have okay. not um Check it out if you're into some cyber. That's the motorcycle one, correct? Yes. Okay. Yes. No, I have not. Uh I I can't recommend it enough. Um if you're interested in 2D like hand painted cell animation um and cyberpunk stuff, so like Blade Runner inspired visuals. Um if if you're in the mood for exactly that, that's the movie you should reach for. That's probably my next uh dipping my toes into that, you know, genre, the you know, or just the format, I guess. It's probably my next. Uh, probably my next one. It's probably the next because I did watch Ghost in the Shell. I mean, oh, is is there one that would be bigger than Akira before? Like I should watch before that, or is that like the next big one? That that's kind of the big one. Yeah. Like in fact, it's it's almost problematic because it's so big. Where it's just like in terms in terms of like narrative value it's it's a mess like good good fucking luck understanding what's happening it's it's an example of what happens when you condense a comic book that's this wide on your shelf into a movie that's this long mm-hmm. um they can only do so much so like yeah. everything's kept very vague and most of the storytelling is just kind of uh, moving on we can't be bothered with this shit gotcha but as a pure technical exhibition it's some of the most gorgeous hand-drawn animation you'll see in feature film format. Like shorts out there exist that have like some technical merits that surpass it, but like in terms of like feature length achievements and especially Japanese animation, it's kind of like up there. Um, but it does predate uh, Ghost in the Shell uh, by several years. Okay. Uh, like five, seven years maybe. Yeah. 
Um, but it's in terms of like technical achievement and animation, it's probably way, like head and shoulders above, uh, even though Ghost in the Shell is quite a handsome film. Um, anyway, what I, what I was uh, going to point out was um, the original uh, English dub for that movie, for Akira, um, had had a quirk in the voice cast that uh, my, my brother pointed out to me when I was like five. I saw that movie when I was way too young. It is crazy fucking violent, by the way, Brad. <laughs> crazy fucking nice. violent. I was so fucking young. Uh, our cousin rented it for us. We were unsupervised by like a... A responsible adult <laughs> um my brother pointed out to me that the the voice actor of uh kaneda uh, the main like i guess arguably the protagonist of the film uh is the same fellow that did the voice of leonardo uh from the teenage mutant ninja turtles <laughs> so like even as a kid i was like that's leonardo and he's, <laughs> shoot- and he's shooting lasers at people yeah <laughs> it was amazing but um as a result i'm pretty sure that uh more recent releases of that film have included that dub track as well, similar to how the uh, Evangelion box set does, just because of the nostalgia factor of, of the novelty factor of hearing uh, one of, one of your most beloved voice actors from one of your children's television shows like being in the voice cast. But um, yeah, these are both series format. Um, this one also includes a, a feature film uh, as well. Um, and because of that, I, it's I've I've seen both of these in their entirety. This one actually, uh, sorry, uh, Outlaw Star. Um, a lot of people in my relative age range have nostalgia for this because it actually aired on American television on a Cartoon Network mm. uh, in the Toonami block, yeah. like side by side with like Gundam Wing and Dragon Ball Z. Uh, so I actually did see it when it aired on American television, but never again since. Uh, so it was like a nostalgia pick for me, where it's like I remember liking that. Let's see if it holds up. And to this day, I still don't know because I haven't I haven't actually watched this yet. Um, Evangelion, I have watched through probably twice, um, which also contributes to me not having watched this version of it. But I'm very, very excited to give it another look, especially considering that the uh, director, uh, Hideaki Anno, uh, has grown uh, in prominence uh, in, in the Japanese film world by leaps and bounds, like, unbelievably so like he he is he has been given the keys to every castle imaginable it's kind of insane actually like <laughs> i i can't think I, i'm trying to think of another example of this happening where it's like you have one creative who has been given he's been given the reins to like so many of the biggest franchises that exist in that country where it's like he he is the founder of evangelion which still carries a lot of cultural cachet to this day uh, he directed shin gojira kind of a big fucking deal and also won the equivalent of best picture that year uh by japanese standards uh he's pr- i think he's producing uh shin ultraman and also producing shin kamen rider which are also two japanese sci-fi television series that they're institutions mm-hmm. they've existed it respectively since the 60s and the 70s and they persist to this very day in their powerhouses in terms of marketing and popularity. And he he's the creative behind all, but he's basically the Kevin Feige. And now that I think about it, yeah, yeah, of but of like unconnected things because none of those things actually belong to the same people. Like they're all owned by different entities. They're not under one umbrella. Um, but th- somehow he's found himself in a position where he's like has 
he has all the, the pop culture on like under his control. It's, it's baffling. Maybe a little J.J. Uh, Abrams could be a potential. You got Star Trek, Star Wars, Mission Impossible. Yeah, actually, that's that's you're absolutely right. I hadn't thought about that, but he he has <laughs> alias. He's like a I don't know. He he's almost like a a deadbeat dad though. <laughs> yeah he's a deadbeat dad to all of his franchises because he fosters them and then he just like pieces out yeah he goes out for some cigarettes and never comes back but it's... And he goes he starts another family on the other coast <laughs> the kind of thing though you gotta th- it's the kind of thing where listen I, i'm not saying that any father should abandon their child but <laughs> i'm sure in some cases a child you know it's like the classic thing of you know the the, the criminal who gives birth at a bank robbery and they leave the child at the orphanage, you know, that cliche. Cause, uh, that's a cliche. <laughs> Cause the what? time, the time he did come back and foster the child, he shit the bed. I mean, you yeah. guys were, it was, uh, yeah, you guys were just talking about, uh, in a couple episodes ago, Mr. Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. Screw that, the pooch Abrams. Yeah, that movie makes me laugh for all the wrong reasons. This is why it's a good thing that he abandoned his children because he just <laughs> he got in. He's he's good at setting it up, and then he, he you know same with Lost. I mean, the guy he directs the pilot, and then he gives it to my buddy Damon, my my boy Damon, and says, "Damon, do your thing." And then Damon does his thing, whether you like it or not. Damon did his thing. Yeah, maybe that's something producers should keep in mind going forward, where it's like, has he worked for us before? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, no, no, we, we're we not going to have him back. Yeah. But he did good work, though. Let's, let's just leave it at that. One and done. <laughs> one and done, baby. Yeah, he's a one and done. Like, he's a pop-in. He does the pop-in. He pops in and pops out. Yeah. <laughs> <It's> like, yeah. <laughs> um, but maybe to a much lesser degree, I guess, like Joss Whedon. Yeah. Because he did, he did Avengers and Justice League. That was insane mm-hmm. um and but beyond that i can't really think of many others um but anyway those are those are both i'm sure awesome packages that i just haven't cracked open um the evangelion one though i'm I actually i need an excuse to get into that one just because i paid good fucking money for it and also very important actually the first time uh, i've ever had an opportunity to view any of them especially the the film uh, which is presented in the widescreen format, unlike the TV version, mm. um, uh, in HD okay. to any capacity. Like the only the only time I've ever seen that series was on DVD, and it's in like four by three. Uh, so this would this could be eye opening, honestly. So, some would say you haven't even seen the series then. <laughs> I mean, yeah, uh, these standards are very very different these days. And yeah, our, both both of our eyes are are trained to to a different standard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's just crazy, like how, like, you know, I'm I'm very particular about like watching a movie. I'm like, I'm making sure like my TV settings are just right. Like, you know, I go and like, you know, making sure everything. Like, I'm very like OCD about that. And it's like, if 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 my brightness isn't at the right level, it's not going to be how like I won't be watching it as intended. Where back in the day, it's like you watched it and it looked like shit, or you didn't watch it at all. And now it's like I'm we're, I'm so, you know used it like we're at such a high level that it's like now even the smallest flaw if there's something wrong with my display like you know it's i can't do i can't do it i can't do it yeah the the kids are spoiled brad like in my day we had to adjust the tracking 
Mm-hmm. And in my day, my dad had to throw slippers at the TV, <laughs> and it actually kind of worked sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and in my day, we just also used to watch tapes that had been taped over so many times that you'd, you'd find scenes from other movies just pop up in between every once in a while, where it's like, hang on, what was that? <laughs> it's like, that looked like someone's ass. Where'd that come from? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, that that uh, neon Genesis box that looks yeah. gorgeous. That packaging, it's a handsome package. I can't <laughs> say I have a ton of interest in the show, but I wouldn't mind just adding that on the shelf because it looks real nice. Um, and it, it for now it doubles as as just a display piece. <laughs> yeah, just you know when people come over, just check it out. You know, like yeah, it's like it, it's it's like a fancy car you never drive. Yeah, or something. It's like hey, I have that. <laughs> Yeah. It's like, do you know how to drive it? No. <laughs> you want to just go stand around it, you know, you, uh, have some drink, drink some lemonade, cool off, and we can admire it. You know, it's kind of a yeah, ex- exactly. Yeah. It's, it's a it's a coffee table display piece. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Brad. Well, that's enough out of me and my ramblings. Uh, what is your next pick? Well, speaking of series, I'm gonna do a series two, and I actually it's another it's another double, and I'm I'm I forgot to grab the double over here, so I'm gonna grab that. Okay, take your time. This is gonna work perfect. This is gonna be a great twofer, a great uh, um, uh, transition from what you were talking about. Because listen, there's so much TV out there nowadays, it is insane. Like, it is, I, back in the day, and of course this was when I was younger, so I had more time on my hands, but back in the day, you could keep up on shows because there was just like, the amount of shows that were out there that were actually good was so small that it was like, you could watch every, like every show that people were talking about and watch. You could keep up with it. It was easy. Like I know you're not a big TV guy, but like back in the day, you could do it. Like honestly, if you tried, you could do it. Nowadays, there's there's so many streaming services, it's impossible. Like I am so there's so many shows that I want to watch that it's just it's it, you can't keep up. But anyway, so I don't know if I'll ever re like I might be done ever rewatching shows. Like I think, oh man, I'd like to rewatch that show. And it's like, why? There's so much. There's so much that I haven't even watched. You think like I? I saw a clip. Um, R.I.P. Robert Morse from Mad Men. I know Kyle loves Mad Men. The one of the actors from Mad Men just recently died in the last couple weeks, and uh, there were I saw people sharing clips from Mad Men, and I was like, man, I'd like to watch Mad Men again. And I'm just like, I I I, I know as much as I'd want to rewatch Mad Men, there's I, I, seven seasons. That's too much of a time commitment for something I've already seen. I gotta plow through on new stuff that I haven't seen. And even that I can't keep up on. So anyway, here's a show, two shows that I haven't seen, that I want to watch, that who knows if I'm ever going to watch. It's a long preamble, but the first one, <laughs> and they're basically one and the same. They're, ba- they're, they're the same. They're, it's the same show, but different, if you know what I'm saying. We, we have Stephen King's The Stand, the uh, um. 1994 miniseries. And we have... Stephen King's The Stand, the uh, 2020-2021 miniseries. Um, now, here's the deal. Uh, I purchased this, both of them uh, CBS productions. Um, I purchased this a while ago when it first came to Blu-ray. I think it came to Blu-ray maybe in like 2018 or something like that. 
Um, never seen this. I, I used to watch a lot of Stephen King miniseries. Never watched The Stand. I mean, maybe I saw like clips of it and stuff, but I never saw The Stand. And when this miniseries, the new one came out, I said, all right, perfect time. I'm going to read The Stand, and then I will uh, watch both versions of The Stand. And, uh, you know, I, I did read The Stand. It's a long book. It's a long book. I was maybe uh, overdoing it a little bit here when I said I was going to read this 1,000-page book and watch two uh, miniseries versions of it. Uh, I was stretching myself a little thin there. So I read the book. I did get that far. But I have not yet watched any of these versions. And now, unfortunately, I don't remember um, all that much about the show, unfortunately, uh, or the book. I'm, uh, the story is fading from my mind, which is maybe an okay thing. Maybe that's good. Um, but yeah, of course, you know, the original I've heard and, you know, it's, it's, it's a little dated, it's very dated, but I think I'd have fun with it. Also directed by, uh, Mick Garris, who mm-hmm. I enjoy. Um, I, 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 have you ever listened to his podcast? A few times. Yeah. I lo- he's just great. Like, I don't, he he's is, so just nice he's and the calm most and affable. Human yeah. Being. <laughs> he just like, he's, he's really good at what he does. Like he's a great at talking to people. He, I, he seems like everybody he has on his podcast, he is like so interested in and happy to have there. I don't know if it's true. He could like some people on there. He could be like, I don't really give a shit about this person. I don't know, but it you, does not seem like that at all. He's great. Um, and, uh, yeah, I do want to check this one out. Um, you know, uh, very relevant. Uh, Amber Heard has a role in <laughs> the new version. Um, also, Whoopi Goldberg. She was in some hot water uh, earlier this year. I don't know if you heard about her uh, comments oh, yeah. on The View. <laughs> I did. I did. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, just very uh, timely. Very relevant. <laughs> um, very timely. Alexander, uh, what's his face? Uh, from He's in The Northman. Just came out this past weekend. He's in here. Scarsgard. Is he a Sar or a Scar? He's one of them. Who knows? Yeah, it, it's the Sars and Scars clans. There's two of them, and they they have too many kids. He's a Scar. <laughs> He's a Scar. He's a Scar. He's a Scar. Okay. So just a lot of reasons why Ezra Miller has a role in here. He's oh, in hot water. Wow. Oh wow! All the controversial figures. I gotta watch this. this is... You do <laughs> now. You have all the excuses. I, has has uh, Paramount Plus pulled this like, off their they're service? Canceled. They're canceled. Yeah. They're canceled. <laughs> He's a Viking. <laughs> yeah. Well, l- luckily, uh, I, Whoopi is back. Actually, she's taking a break from the view, but she's back. She she got on camera. Whoopi's bulletproof. Whoopi's she's bulletproof. bulletproof. She. <laughs> I, I mean, come, honestly, come on. <laughs> I had said that her uh, the the co- her comments were, were like my favorite viral content of the year so far. <laughs> just how like bizarre it was, <laughs> and like how just like boneheaded of a comment it was. But then uh, so she got surpassed by the Will Smith, uh, Chris Rock thing. So now no nobody's even talking about Whoopi anymore. She's she's old hat. She's old news. She she got out of it. She survived. Yeah, she she lucked out. The she cycle did. moved faster, and she's just like quietly faded into the background. <laughs> but like, anyway, yes. I I love Stephen King. I did really like the stand. At some point, I will watch both versions of this. If I live long enough to do that, we'll see. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, I think that's very doable, Brad. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember the original one. I, I can't speak to the new one, but uh, the the '90s one I don't remember being super long. Like it, it's 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 
it's like a two-parter it's not a, yeah it's not really a mini series proper it's just like a two movie thing basically mm-hmm. um i can't speak to the the other one though um i will say that the cover art to the 90s one is very misleading yeah um, it you, looks a little it looks a lot more uh like it looks a lot less dated i guess than it, it, it looks think. much more intense it looks more contemporary yeah. and there are no mom jeans mm-hmm. on the cover uh, which is basically the required wardrobe of everybody in that production. It's a very mom jeans heavy. It's a very denim heavy production, um, and texturally, it is very much of its time. Such that, for me personally, I love coming back to movies that look like that. Mm-hmm. Like they're they're hideous. They look cheap and they look like ass. But I remember when the world looked like that. I have pristine memories of when the, my environment just looked like that even like uh, i don't know if you can see the images on the back they kind of like they were selective yeah they, they were, were selective definitely... with those screen caps yeah <laughs> i mean but what a cast in the original i mean you've got gary sinice molly ringwald ruby d ossie davis miguel ferrer matt frewer yeah. yeah rob lowe what yeah. a cast i mean just classic yeah, Miguel Ferrer is he, he's always appreciated, mm-hmm. and Rob Rob Lowe is mostly mute in that one, unfortunately. But at that time, he was doing good work. Is um, he, and Matt Matt Frewer is always fucking awesome. Is he? So I'm trying to. I got. I can't wait to watch this old version because in the novel, I believe there is a character who is mute, and also yep. a character who is mentally challenged. Um, which yeah. I am yes. guessing yes. is not portrayed very well in this old version. Absolutely not. <laughs> it, am I cra- am I wrong? Uh, it's um the actor from Coach, isn't it? Isn't it uh what's his face? Um, yes, I, th- I think yeah. you're absolutely right. I can't remember his name, but I'm pretty sure you're right. Yeah, Dauber from Coach. Dauber, um, there. Yeah, good job. Good memory. Uh, yeah, I, like I said, going back to a thing from that time period that has that particular aesthetic is it's like a warm blanket man like all those stephen king miniseries from that era and well any tv movie from that era just has that vibe to it and i i actually would love to put that on right now i I would just like put it on the background just like it'd be like hopping into a time portal or something but um the new one i feel like like kind of got the shit under the stick when it came to uh timing um, and also the streaming service is it wasn't it like a CBS streaming service original or something? Yeah, it was before it became Paramount Plus. It was CBS All Access. Shit, so, like, yeah. like, yeah, nobody, nobody saw that. Yeah. Like, I, it's funny because I don't remember hearing enough about it to know if it's good or not. Honestly, I heard it was n- not very well received. Um, actually. When that because I, I uh, think it's kind of sort of told um, out of chronological order, Whoa. which uh, I think rubbed some people the wrong way potentially. I don't know. I think it could be interesting. I'm I don't know. I'm, I'm I think it could be good. Uh, some of the talent behind the camera. I think it's directed by the guy who uh, did the New Mutants. Um, oh fuck! Yeah, <laughs> that's <laughs> Which, not good. <laughs> uh, at least he did the the first episode. At least I don't I don't dude, think he did the whole thing. Dude, that's um, not good. I yeah. mean, it's like The Walking Dead as brought to you by Frank Darabont, and then this fucking guy yeah. <laughs> gives you the stand and then pieces out because yeah. it's too so. busy. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, yeah, the New Mutants was terrible. I I waited 
quite a while to check that one out and i certain i most certainly did not pay to watch that film um yeah that that is trash um but yeah in terms of like timing of release it's it's kind of shitty actually that like it's actually kind of timely like the subject matter for the stand it it's very appropriate for like contemporary stuff mm-hmm. like like it's kind of a divisive time uh, in terms of like american cult american culture specifically um so a, like a story like the stand is very much tailored to, to kind of capitalize on that on that particular tension on that particular vibe but nobody fucking saw it so good or not i i just don't know i don't know uh, aside from what brad just said about it like if if it was well regarded or not do you know if it's complete like did they did they finish it yeah it was it was a one season miniseries kind of thing okay. so yeah it's okay. it's it's complete it's done Okay. And I guess well, one thing notable that, you know, if it was handled on a better streaming service might have been a big deal. There was kind of a um hidden episode, not hidden, but it was like a surprise episode where I think I want to say it was like eight episodes and it told the story of the novel and then the final episode, I if I'm remembering right, this could be all a lie. And you can call me a liar then, that's fine. But um, I believe it's like the ninth episode. It takes place after the events of the novel. And the ninth episode is, I think, written by Stephen King, or he at least gave them notes on it. So it is like, you know, canon. And it was kind of like you're getting a little bit more than you ever got in any previous version of The Stand, um, which is kind of cool. That is kind of cool. Uh, hopefully, they didn't totally fuck it up because that is like one of his his more beloved stories, um, and it's also like the one that he's most George Lucasy about, as far as I understand. Yeah. Uh, because even the novel, like in print form, has been revised multiple times over oh, the years. I know all about that. I started reading <laughs> the original version, and oh, I no. got several hundred pages in, and it was well, I may not say I was probably like a hundred or two hundred pages in. And I started doing some research, and it's like, oh, there's a fully uncut version or whatever with 300-some extra pages. And I'm just like, well, shit. Am I ever going to yes. read this book twice and do both? <laughs> no. So I should probably restart and do do the get all do the whole thing. Get do the big one right. <laughs> so I had I restarted, and and I tr- I was like, can I just like pick and choose? And it was like there was too much. So I said, nope, we got to start from scratch. You fucked me, King. Yeah. <laughs> you fucked me. <laughs> yeah. It's okay. It's a good. It's a good book. Thankfully. <laughs> yeah. Love the guy. No, I. Yeah. I. I do too. I'm. I'm. I'm glad we. We have his output because he like his his goods are pretty good and his his bads are you know, they are what they are. But <laughs> I even but, like. I mean, I even his bads I like. I'll, I. I want it on record, because listen, I hope he lives a long time. But he's getting too. up there. And we know when he dies, it is going to be, everybody is going to be like, I love Stephen King. Like, it is going to be insane how much people will say they love him. And I want it on record. I love him now before he's dead. <laughs> I'm even reading another, I'm reading Salem's Lot right now. I love King. I am a King head. So I want that on record. Well, you you have it. Brad is a King head through king and through. Head. Yeah, and like... Everybody overnight will conveniently forget that his endings generally kind of suck. <laughs> hey, I'm all about the journey. But, but the journey is always phenomenal. Um, and his setups are always impeccable. Um, 
Like I, nobody could ever take that away from him. But yeah. like in in general, his payoffs are not extraordinary. <laughs> but the, the setup, the journey is always it's always worth it though. I could give you I could give you a few I think that have some solid endings. But yeah, I, for the most part, I'd agree. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, now you got me wanting to go back and rewatch the the nineties one anyway. Yeah. I can't speak to the new one. Hmm. What do I got? Okay, well, I'm going to cheat again, and I don't have a whole lot to say probably about either of these, honestly, but, you know, I got what I got. So <laughs> um, so these uh, thematically fall under the category of these are just too goddamn long. Um, so these are not series, but these are just movies that are just too goddamn long, um, which is why I, I keep hesitating every time I, I find myself maybe considering wanting to put it on. It's just like, you know... I, I, no, it, it's just too goddamn long. Hey, that's an <laughs> issue. I feel that. Yeah, there's you know there's there's epics out there that's just like you know I I just don't I, I just don't have my my ass cheeks can't handle it today, man. My 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 ass groove is it's somebody's been fucking with it. I'm not comfortable enough to sit here for X number of hours. Okay, so as I said, I actually don't have a whole lot to say about either of these movies. Although maybe we can make a discussion out of it. We'll see. Um, so this one, I don't know if it's a well-known movie, um, but it made a lot of waves uh, in Asia, uh, in specifically China uh, and Taiwan when it came out. Um, but I don't know that it has much of an international footprint, but I was curious about it because of the subject matter. Um, so this is, uh, I don't know how to pronounce it, but it's spelt like Sidiq Bale or Bale, uh, Warriors of the Rainbow. And this is directed by uh, Wei Teixing. Uh, and it is four and a half hours long. Ooh. Yes. That's um, a big one. And the subject matter, also this one carries with it an extra layer. Um, this one is four and a half hours long, which, as I said, is too goddamn long. Um, but in addition to that, the subject matter also prevents me from putting it on because it, it's it's a little mm, difficult, I guess. So this takes place in uh, Taiwan. Um which is a country, <laughs> um, and uh, basically it's about the kind of the early outbreak of World War II and uh, the Japanese military kind of moving in on the Taiwanese territory, and it's about like the the native Taiwanese population um, fighting back uh, as like guerrilla fighters against the Japanese army coming like coming into Taiwan, uh, so like native Taiwanese people, um, and. It's supposed to be really fascinating because it's like it's a it, it contains a lot of thing like a lot of cultural artifacts that you just simply will not find elsewhere because they're not very well preserved in film. Like I'm sure there's museums that have exhibitions about native Taiwanese culture, but I don't I can't really think of many movies or, or stories that have made it out of that country that would actually explore that kind of thing. And apparently there's there's some aspects to like the the culture of the people that's expressed in this film that are apparently accurate but are problematic <laughs> where it's like you know it's it's antiquated it's an antiquated 
tribal culture like like these are jungle dwelling people like that maybe they they were hard ass people and they did some things that maybe aren't especially pc by 21st century standards but anyway just the i'm sure there's a lot of brutality in this the the japanese military around the time of world war ii carried a really nasty reputation um and i don't know some parts of this might be uncomfortable uh especially over spread out over the course of four and a half gory hours um but i have heard it's a very very good film it's also produced by john woo who i'm Mm. a very big fan of um but yeah i i'm interested in this film which is why i picked it up but four and a half hours is just too goddamn long (laughs) that's a lot especially for a heavy film like that that's a big exactly uh, big ask yeah it's like i don't want to get dragged through the mud for four and a half hours man like uh, you have to be in a mood for that but the other one is of course uh zack snyder's justice league mm. on 4k which I, I think i did mention earlier in the form of joss whedon taking the helm of the original theatrical release of this one um but i picked this one up uh on disc format even though it's readily available on hbo um and i did watch it like via hbo and uh, i'm curious brett what are what are your thoughts on this guy have you watched it yeah i did uh <coughs> i did see it um I don't know. It, I liked it. I, I guess I liked it more than, obviously, the original Justice League, but it, I still didn't love it. I don't know. It's, it's like, yeah, I appreciate it, its ambition, but I feel like a lot of people were, I don't know, not necessarily giving it a free pass, but it just, you know, I, I like that Zack Snyder was able to just go for it and put it all out there. But at the same time, it's kind of like it's a little much. I don't know. I guess um, it you know, like I, I did watch it pretty much all in one sitting. Like I took maybe a break here or there. Um, but I did also watch rewatch the regular Justice League um, for comparison's sake. And maybe that might have hurt my enjoyment. I was pretty Justice Leagued out by the time I was two hours into uh, Zack Snyder's version. Um, but yeah, it, it is, it's definitely an improvement for sure. Yeah, I, I mostly agree with you. I, I would say it's a market improvement. Um, it does not need to be four hours long. Yeah. Um, it, it's very it, indulgent. It, I guess that's it, maybe the yes. word I want to look for. Yeah. Yeah. You hit the nail on that. Uh, it is very indulgent. It's very self-indulgent on the part of the filmmaker and the production. Um, it did not need to be four hours long, but for what it's worth, the changes made are actually improvements. Um, I did not appreciate the Return of the King style endings, plural. Uh, that was not especially well executed, uh, especially the very obviously green screen sequences where it's like, I don't know if any of these people were ever in the same room together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, but on the whole, it's like the reason, the reason, the reason I picked up this disc is because uh, novelty factor. Um, I it was a an historic moment, I guess, um, that fucking Twitter gave way to a fucking movie. Um, it's not something I was asking for. I, I honestly didn't care. I didn't care very much for the Joss Whedon version of the film. And as I said, I do think this is the better. It's the superior cut of the film. Um, but just for the historical precedent of it, I, I thought it would be interesting to take a look at the supplements and, and maybe if they have any making ofs or a commentary associated with it, that's what I'm interested in. I don't actually have a whole lot of desire to rewatch the film uh, as a film, 
but I would actually really love to study it uh, just because of the precedent that, that it set. Um, it, it's a fascinating thing. It has kind of seemingly got the ball rolling for, for more instances of this sort of thing playing out um, just because it's been done now we now it, it's not as big of a mystery it's not as massive an undertaking um but yeah i i, w- I will say this much i do think it's better than army of the dead uh, uh but that's just a me thing yeah um, i i had a lot of problems with that movie I, I forget what 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 did you think of that one uh yeah i definitely had a lot of problems with it as well i i I might have given both those movies the same score, to be honest. Um, that's that's fair. I think I gave them both the three. Um, but yeah, I mean, Army of the Dead was fun, but you know, messy and kind of indulgent again. But that's kind of Zack Snyder's thing. Not quite as indulgent, but um, yeah, I I would maybe give the edge to Army of the Dead a little bit, but not by much. <laughs> <laughs> Did anybody bother to watch the? the spinoff or whatever no uh not that nobody i nobody did <laughs> no one i know i've never seen a review posted for it yeah that was a big uh swing and a miss right there i think uh, i don't think anyone was clamoring for that yeah that was the weirdest part of that fucking movie of army of the dead because like kyle and i when we talked about it we we weren't we aren't as keen on like following the news or social media and stuff so we were just like talking out of our asses and throwing ideas out there as we were taking notes watching the movie, but it's like, I feel like they were like fishing for spinoffs and, and like different plot streams yeah. to take this thing down, like as they were putting the movie together. Cause there's that very random sequence where the one guy just like out of fucking nowhere starts talking about parallel universes and alternative timelines and stuff. And mm-hmm. it's just like, and then the zombies have blue glowing eyes and they might be robots. And it's just like, what the fuck are we doing? <laughs> it's like it's like are are we literally doing the thing where we're just putting shit out so people can overreact to it on Twitter and they can tell us what movie they want next? <laughs> like that's what it reeks of. It's, well, it's just a t- it's a test kitchen. It's not a it's not a proper narrative. It's a test kitchen for further narratives. I mean, yeah, that's that's fair and I I I do agree with you, but listen, you can't argue with the facts and the numbers and that this was army of the dead was the uh number one movie the hot the number one fan favorite movie of last year according to the oscars fan vote that um, make- oh yeah that's right that's right fuck i forgot about that and uh also we can't forget that uh zack snyder's justice league contains the number one greatest movie moment of all time according to the Oscars fan vote when Flash hits the Flash zone or Flash speed or whatever it's called. Speed force. Speed force. Comic fan. (laughs) Although I I do not give two fucks about the Flash. Fuck the Flash. Flash fucking sucks. (laughs) You know, we mentioned the Will Smith thing earlier, but it's just so funny that, like, I feel like if any any other year, that would be the most laughed at thing, the fact that those were the two winners of those fan (laughs) votes, and nobody even, like was talking about that the next day for obvious reasons but it's yeah. like what what an insane when that was the number one movie moment of all time of i didn't even remember time. that from the movie i didn't even remember did, that yeah. part <laughs> I, well that, that's what they get for for making a public vote yeah like they did apparently they didn't learn anything from the trans the transformers debacle do you remember that 
I don't think so. No. Okay. Well, uh, they uh, they held a contest. A this I think this was like pre Twitter blow up and certainly like pre Instagram. So this was like two thousand six, two thousand seven around there. So social media was not what it is today. Um, so anyway, they held a public vote for um, what Optimus Prime would say in in the movie, in the Michael Bay Transformers movie. Um, and the winning vote went to do a barrel roll from Star Fox, Pe- Peppy Hair, yeah. saying do a barrel roll because a lot of people are nerds and they like their Nintendo 64 and do a barrel roll was kind of a meme at the time before we even really called them memes. Yeah. And that was the one that won. And then they reneged on it and they're like, no. <laughs> <laughs> so Optimus Prime has never said do a barrel roll. Ah, bummer. And all the people who voted for that, who probably paid money to vote for that, were like, you'll I'll show you. I'll vote the Speed Force in as the best movie moment of all time. Yeah. I mean, I think, if anything, it just made me realize that the Zack Snyder army is uh, more powerful than... I mean, I knew it was powerful, but, uh, you yeah. know, it's yeah. definitely with them getting the Justice League released and winning the Oscar fan votes uh, definitely is uh, more powerful than I thought. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It's eye-opening. It's like, oh, shit. Like, they they carry a big stick. Um, And I'm pretty sure they're still probably hollering about uh, getting Ben Affleck to direct a Batman movie or something. It's like, I want to see Ben Affleck punch Joey Manganiello. That's my Batman. I don't care about this Robert Pattinson vampire Batman. I want my Ben Affleck Batman punching my Joe Manganiello. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like I'm sorry, they're they're both very old now. Like, yeah, like they're they're both very old and they have very hot wives. They don't have time for this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, Zack Snyder's Justice League. Like I said, I it's it's on the shelf for novelty factor. I I'm actually gonna check like. You can start looking for your next pick, Brad, but I'm just going to see if like I can snoop on like any special features. Uh shit, I don't think it has a commentary, but I do believe it at least has a like a documentary uh, okay. about about how the production uh, came together, about yeah. how they were how they took another crack at it. So, at the very least, I would like to watch that because it, regardless of your feelings on the film itself just the fact that it exists i think is a very fascinating thing that yeah oh for sure yeah yeah with the length of that one though it might be on the backlog for a while that's why it's there (laughs) (laughs) too damn long (laughs) okay brad well uh that's my pick what's yours all right i'm gonna do another double who cares why not fuck it let's keep it going um yep this one is a double, uh, yeah, a little bit, not really regrets, I guess. One, I guess one of them is a regret. First one I'll mention, not really a re- regret, but I'm tying it in to an upcoming release. Um, now, this, I bought this film, actually, I bought both of these films back when I was kind of just starting to get into, well, I don't want to say just getting into, but I wasn't buying from as many boutique labels as I am now, like when I first started, probably the first boutique label I was buying from was Criterion. Then probably the next one was Shout Factory, but mainly Scream Factory. And for a while there, I was going all in on Scream Factory. Like every collector's edition they put out, I wanted to get it with that slipcover because I didn't want to miss out on the exclusivity 
of that slipcover, which is available for three months after the release date. So I was buying these uh, Scream Factory films, which, you know, I'm glad I own and I am interested in, but uh, I just haven't had too much of a desire to, you know, pop them in. And this one I do want to watch, but it's another uh, filmmaker who is certainly not top three most famous filmmakers of all time, but he is a famous filmmaker, certainly in some circles, and I've never seen any of his films. So it's one where I would maybe kind of want to go through and watch a big chunk of his. Um, and I, I could end up hating his films. I don't know. It's you, uh, The filmmaker is Mr. John Waters. Oh, okay. And the uh, film in question that I ha- own and have not seen is Serial Mom. Oh. Which I think is one of his more mainstream outings, for sure. Um, I don't know how much... I'm sure it is still very much a John Waters film, but not quite as much as some of his early stuff, you know, boundary pushing, because it is a studio film, I'm pretty sure. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's not. I I don't know. But it's, you know, it's got pretty, some big names in here, um, and it's probably a little more digestible to uh, mainstream audiences. But I just haven't gotten around to watching it. But I am more curious into jumping into his filmography, because coming out... I think in the next few months, uh, Criterion is putting out Pink Flamingos on oh, really? Blu-ray. Wow. And um, I know they've already put out, <clears throat> is it Multiple Maniacs, I believe yeah. is another. So there's several John Waters films now going to be ready, readily available on disc. Um, and so, you know, it might be worth popping on a few of them and, uh, you know, finally, finally seeing all the things I've heard about with this guy really just like digging into it so that one uh have not watched but i uh will uh will like to check it out at some point the other one it's another scream factory flick which i i've seen bits and pieces of back in the day on television but i'm sure it was four by three i'm sure it was heavily edited probably looked like crap so have i even seen the film probably not um it is species species which um, the reason, main reason I pulled this off the shelf is, did you hear the news? I think it was just announced today. I think it was just no. today. Breaking news. Uh, Scream Factory is releasing Species on 4K. So this is another regret in terms of I have it on Blu-ray, have not watched it, and it is now coming to 4K. Um, but, you know, Species, from what I remember, is pretty dumb, schlocky sci-fi horror um, but I, you know, it's, it, I, I have a soft spot for that genre. And, uh, if I'm in the mood, I could see where it would hit the sweet spot. And I actually do like the artwork on here. I actually do quite like that. I think that it's pretty good. Um, that's not bad. Yeah. So yeah, it is coming out on 4k, uh, and the Blu-ray is a 4k scan. So not a big surprise there. should have seen that coming, but I did buy this like probably at least four or five years ago at this point. So just a couple Scream Factory titles there that I have not seen, um, and the species won again. It's like, should I watch this like sometime soon so I can watch the Blu-ray and then buy the 4K? Like you know, that's that's the cycle of being a physical media collector, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I actually uh, I actually just peddled my uh, Arrow Blu-ray of a uh, RoboCop. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, I sold it on the eBay uh, because I I 
picked up the 4k and i was like well i'm never gonna use this again <laughs> so i'm like you know i'm i'm at a, i'm at that stage of collecting now where i'm actually actively consolidating where i've actually been purging some of my dvds that i have duplicates of in blu-ray format and whatnot yeah um, see i have not gotten there yet unfortunately i was actually thank you for showing that i was actually going to ask about that because that's that's the vhs cover art i remember and i always remember liking that because mm -hmm. i always thought it was spooky yeah like it actually was creepy to me when i was a little kid pretty good it's pretty good that's far creepier than the actual movie yeah you uh, got <laughs> a little uh nice little action there on the disc not bad not bad yeah um and you know i i didn't even mention that uh if you're a bit, if you're a total species head, which I'm sure we all are, um, <laughs> not only is Scream Factory putting out um, the 4K of the original, but I believe it is 88 Films in the UK is mm -hmm. doing a uh, box set of all four species films. If I'm getting the number correct, um, so if you're a big species head, you're gonna be buying the 4K and that box set. Let's be honest. I'd sooner buy the Anaconda for film box set, even though I can't. I, agree. I can't. Yeah, I can't vouch for uh, Anaconda three and four. Um, I, I've seen part of the second one. I know one of them has David Hasselhoff, which is always a plus. Um, but I actually don't know the quality of some of those later sequels. But yeah. species, species. I think you're right. I think it's four. Uh, I saw. I think it was part of the third one. It had a very strange plot where the like the it was uncomfortable where the the alien gal has like a father figure human it's like oh <laughs> it's like i don't need her to say the word daddy yeah. like, like like not in this direct-to-video nudity filled alien horror movie but um man the reason i was putting my my uh, palm to my temple yeah you like, looked like you were in pain yeah i was because i was trying to imagine what species looks like on 4k and it's like there are some effect shots in that movie you do not want to see in, yeah. a, in a higher fidelity format. <laughs> like, like there is some spotty CGI uh, in that film that is raggedy in in standard and high definition. I don't know if you need the 4K treatment for that. So I'd say, you know, you, you don't need to worry about that. But Species is, is dumb. It, it's really dumb, but it's actually like kind of an oh my God in terms of the cast. Yeah, like, that's pretty solid. Uh, I was just looking at Ben Kingsley, Alfred Molina. I'd say Michael Madsen. Forrest Whitaker. Forrest Whitaker. Yeah. Um, Huge. It, it's, it, and uh, actually, funny enough, uh, when I was talking to Harrison and Jordan from the Grief Burrito podcast just the other day about Uva Bull's blood rain, uh, Species actually came up as a talking point because I was uh, comparing Kristana Loken, uh, a.k.a. the Terminatrix from Terminator 3, um, and Natasha Henstridge, aka the Sill, I think is the character's name from Species. Like I was comparing their filmographies, how it's like, I believe they both start out as models, and then they both had these like breakout like sci-fi horror roles in like prominent prominent roles, and then they went absolutely nowhere. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Species Species though actually does carry a lot of like not not like good nostalgia, but I don't know. the The erotic thriller is is something that a lot of people are kind of uh, nostalgic for that that lived through the era because they were kind of all over the place in the eighties and nineties, and we don't really do those very often anymore, at least in this country. Um, so to have like an alien spin on on that 
that subject matter was it was only natural it's like Mm -hmm. it's only natural we're going to do a peanut butter and chocolate kind of scenario with with one of the more popular genres going um so it does have some novelty factor associated with that and um it has some good gore um like i said the cast is astonishing actually in retrospect um and it's a very easy watch i'll give it that much like it, it does it moves like it's never boring thankfully um but it's a trashy fucking film yeah. and it's it is objectively very bad but uh, it's very easy to just have on in the background uh, if you can stomach some of the stuff that's in there yeah and uh a lot of bonus features i'm sure they're all just going to carry over to the 4k but you got two audio commentaries bunch of interviews featurettes i mean i'm sure a lot of this was probably ported over from like the dvd release as well but you know a lot of a lot of good stuff on there so it is a packed disc so you know it's kind of it's kind of funny actually because like I, I, everything i said just now is true like it is a trashy movie <laughs> it's like it's not very good it is very watchable um what's curious though is that, like the second one is is definitely a worse movie but it's actually probably more entertaining because of it yeah just because it dials up the trash factor even further to the point that it's like wow this is like offensively bad but now i'm somehow more interested <laughs> it's it's a it's kind of a trip like it's it's a it's a bizarre movie it's a bizarre pairing of films but as far as i understand that was the last of them to to make it to theaters but i've i've seen both of them a couple of times i wouldn't be in a hurry to revisit either of them but uh john waters uh is a filmmaker i have no firsthand experience with i have not seen a john waters film uh but i of course know him by reputation he is a wonderful interview um and i've seen like features like i've I've watched other people talk about his movies and they always sound very very fascinating i know Mm -hmm. kyle uh, my regular co-host is very interested in the man like like he'd very much like to explore his filmography in proper i'm pretty sure he's seen a handful of his movies but he's all he's talked about him like a few times here and there as as being a director he'd very much like to know more about um but i'm (laughs) serial mom actually seems like a like a movie that looks like a lot of fun i've seen a couple of clips i think kathleen turner's in there correct Mm -hmm. yeah holy shit that lady's that lady's fun (laughs) (laughs) that lady's crazy but in the best of ways (laughs) we need more kathleen turner honestly (laughs) yeah i I think uh if i'm remembering right is there a young matthew lillard in the movie as well um oh i don't know about that i think he might play the son actually um which uh that's He's you know. he's had a comeback as of late, correct? Uh, uh yeah. I mean, I th- I feel like not, there's not like a a huge one, but like he's he's resurfaced. There's a section of the internet that is really rooting for the guy. He's kind of in the same uh, vein as Brendan Fraser, I guess. Not quite yeah. as hard. Um, but yeah, a lot of people definitely pointing to him as Shaggy and saying like, "This guy is amazing." And it's like, I mean, he was that was some good casting for sure. But I mean, yeah, he's a talented actor. It's just you know, sometimes you give him too much leeway, and he'll uh, <laughs> he'll give you Wing Commander. <laughs> yeah, and I I definitely I like the guy a lot actually. Um, and I it's I, but to be fair, I think the amount of roles he's gotten and the people he's worked with and the project he's like the projects he's been a part of, I think he's 
I think he's doing just fine for his ability. I think he's actually doing better than he should be. Like, I don't want to say that because I do like the guy. But, I mean, <laughs> the guy, he's worked with uh, David Lynch recently. He was in the Twin Peaks revival. Uh, he's worked with um, – uh, he was in The, the Descendants. Uh, I forget the director who uh, did that film. But that was, you know, a Best Picture nominee. I mean, the guy He worked still, with Ufa Bull. <laughs> he, he has. Which, which one of those? Uh I think it was one of the uh, Dungeon Siege games, okay, or movies rather. He he did a lot of video game adaptations. Uh, he I think Ray Liotta may have been that one too. Yeah, so he's he's doing fine. He's doing just fine. Before the Chantix years, yeah. <laughs> those commercials are terrible. <laughs> They're so entertaining, but it's like the whole time you're you're worried about poor Ray. You're like, is is he okay? Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't think I don't think he's okay. Like, there's something <laughs> wrong. <laughs> He's so withdrawn and like and, and sedate. Like this isn't the Ray. This isn't my Ray. <laughs> um, but if you had to pick a, a starting place for John Waters, would you go with the one you already have, or would you go with Pink Flamingos, like the, the old, ye old classic? I'd probably start with Pink Flamingos, especially with yeah, it coming out soon. Yeah, me too. So that's kind of that's part of the reason why I haven't watched Serial Mom. To be honest, it's like, I, do I really want to start here? Um, that's kind of help. That's why I haven't watched it in the six years I've owned it. <laughs> well, you know, maybe the Pink Flamingos disc will drop, and you'll you'll run out and snag it, and and you'll get on the train. That's the rolling. idea. That's the idea, at least. I'm 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 hopeful, Brad. <laughs> okay. Well, I suppose the pick is to me. Okay. I'm gonna embarrass myself because uh, you said you had a item there. Um, your John Waters film that had been on the backlog for quite some time. Uh, so these are a pair of films. Well, actually, it's a film and a series from the same director that uh, have been on my shelf for at least a few years. Um, so anyway, uh, and this one I don't even have a really good excuse for because it's, sh- it's short. <laughs> um, the other one, it's a series, though, so it's a little more understandable. Mm-hmm. But um, I bought these around the same time. Um, anyway... Uh, this is from Third Window Films, which I believe is an Austi- Australian uh, disc printer, okay. uh, disc publisher. Um, it says it's Region B. However, it's it's actually all region. This is a thing with some Australian disc printers that they, they say it's one region and that's actually another. Um, I also got through Third Window Films like at the same time I bought this. Um, was it uh, Razorback? Uh, Razorback? Um, the... Uh, Russell Mulcahy wild boar movie that's heavily inspired by Jaws. Mm-hmm. It's like Jaws with a boar. Um, and uh, Top Knot Detective, which is a like Spinal Tap style like fake documentary about a Japanese television series that never existed. It's very charming. It, it was like tailor-made for me. I loved it. Um, and anyway, uh, to dispel the mystery, uh, I have here uh, One Cut of the Dead. Ah, yes, yes. Which I am very embarrassed to say i have yet to watch um this movie uh i has not been spoiled for me thankfully um but i know for a fact brad has seen it in fact i i I may have heard of this film through brad um i I know he's spoken highly of it um a lot of people on the internet have spoken highly of this movie i unfortunately just have never hit the play button on it uh, so i still have yet to watch this film um, but somehow, miraculously, I have yet to have it spoiled for myself, so I, I can still sit down and enjoy this movie clean, uh, which is 
Brad's cue to jump in there and just completely spoil the thing. <laughs> yeah, I, should, I maybe should just step back. I don't. Even, I feel like even saying any of my fe- feelings about the movie could uh, spoil anything. <clears throat> anyway, uh, in addition to that, I also have uh, this uh, this disc. It's I think it's one or two discs. Uh, it's a television series, a very short television series called Special Actors. Uh, it's a Japanese television series that. Um, <clears throat> is actually directed by the same person who made One Cut of the Dead. Um, and I was so taken with people's reactions to One Cut of the Dead that I was like, what else has this guy done? So I just took a chance on picking this up as well. Um, and I watched the trailer for this, and I was I was very, very impressed with it. Um, but this is actually a uh, Hong Kong disc, um, but it's Region A and it's English subtitled, which I cannot say the same for the official Japanese release because... Uh, Japanese disc publishers hate the rest of the world. <laughs> um, they basically never subtitle anything. Um, they, are, they are the same region as the U.S. They are region A when it comes to Blu-ray, but they never fucking subtitle their movies. Hmm. It's, a, it's very strange. Yeah. Um, like Hong Kong, Korea, China, they, they all very, very commonly English subtitle all their discs, but Japan not so much. But anyway, this is a, a very short television series that had a very novel premise that reason i picked it up was just purely off of the reputation of this one um so i have not watched either of them yeah i mean that's uh that's some good ones there at least uh, one cut of the dead i can vouch for um mm. that's one that you know i just you're probably past the point where any spoilers would just be popping up for you now but that is one you do not want to get anything spoiled for so you just you need to be careful out there Okay, well, not every pick has to be an in-depth conversation, so we can just leave it at that. <laughs> all right, all right. Yeah, I would hate to spoil anything for you. Yeah. So, um, all right, well, I can go, uh, probably go one more round here. You want to go? Yeah, I'm good for one more. All right. I will, let's just do another twofer. Let's just do it again. Why not? And this one. I'm glad. I'm glad you're showing more of your shit. Yeah, this one, it's a twofer. This one is a twofer in uh, genre. A lot of these were twofers in, uh, like, a boutique label. But uh, this one is a twofer in genre. And, uh, you know, one genre that I've said it, I've been saying it a lot this year, and I've said I'm going to make it my goal this year to watch more from this genre. So far, I think I've watched one film from this genre this year, so I'm doing a good job so far, um, is the Western genre. I am not a Western head. I want to be one, but uh, I just have not seen that many westerns. I've seen, you know, s- some of the big ones, but there's a lot that I haven't seen, and there is a lot out there. So, a couple that I own that I bought because it's like I need to start watching some fucking westerns, and then I uh, don't end up watching them. But uh, one of them, let's just throw this one out there: Clint Eastwood himself in High Plains Drifter. I do uh, own several other. Uh, westerns from the man, the myth, the legend himself, Mr. Clint Eastwood. Um, but this one is one that he directed himself, I believe, yes. And uh, put out by Kino. Gorgeous uh, slipcover there. Some nice bonus features. Love me some Kino. And, uh, yeah, it's not only is the western genre one that I need to watch more of, but a lot of Clint Eastwood's early films 
I have not seen a lot of his early films, and they're not all westerns that he directed. Just a lot of his early stuff I have not seen. And then the other um, western is a lesser-known one, but this one is a Vinegar Syndrome partner label, and it is one that is currently sold out. I bought it in the last sale, and I was lucky I snatched it up. It is a 4K release of a movie called Deadlock. So this one, it is a German Western, and it is actually put out by, I believe it's a German company, Subculture? Subculture? Oh, I've seen that before. Okay, yep. So they actually, at least on Vinegar Syndrome's site, um, because Vinegar Syndrome basically highlights, is uh, responsible for their um, U.S. distribution, I guess. Uh, This is the only subculture release on uh, Vinegar Syndrome's site at the moment. So as of now, I have the complete collection right here for the (laughs) U.S. subculture um, releases. But yeah, this is just um, a German Western, and it sounds like it's a very simple premise. It's a bunch of cowboys fighting over a bag of cash, and it is a 4K. I don't know if I said that. It is a 4K. Case does kind of look like a... Criterion case almost. You got one of those cases. Um, but it is a 4K. And I bet you it looks absolutely gorgeous. It was limited to 2,000 units. And I said, I've got to pick up this bad boy. I'm glad I did in the last sale. It was one of the ones. Um, this, along with your favorite film that you've watched in the last several years, Champagne and Bullets. Um, <laughs> I made sure to grab. Those were low in stock and uh they were the first ones i grabbed in the sale i immediately the site opened i went boom boom put them both in my cart checked out we're good we're good to go and uh i lucked out because they did sell out um not too long after but yeah definitely needed to watch more westerns for sure yeah you and me both um westerns are a little bit of a on a weak spot in my knowledge of cinema and it's kind of shameful because like i mean i'm being overly critical of myself there there are too many goddamn films out there and we can only live to experience and appreciate so many of them so to to pretend that we we can love and know all films is is false uh, that that's just not a possibility so um as i've gotten older i've started to realize that like there's a lot of really great movies out there that I probably just won't see, and I need to I need to learn to be okay with that. Um, but the Western genre is so vast that it's like one of those things that it does feel kind of wrong to be like a, a student of the medium and and not at least dip your toes into it, just because it, it basically was Hollywood for decades. Mm-hmm. Like there are so many goddamn westerns, and and you just pointed out a German western. I didn't even know they existed, and the trappings of the genre are are so noteworthy and so well known that like you see cultural exchange that even if the film itself doesn't take place in the american west there are certain tropes that that often manifest in films that come from other countries there's a reason we have spaghetti westerns that are so named because they're actually like italian productions oftentimes shot in italy and dubbed after the fact and then you have the Chambara films, the Japanese like samurai films, that there's a there's a lot of crossover between a lot of the the genre trappings and whatnot, that they kind of inspired each other, they kind of came up together. Um, 
I don't know what it is about westerns, but for some reason, it's not that they're repellent or anything. It just it feels somewhat impenetrable. Like it, it does feel like a little bit of a chore to get into them. Um, and some of that also comes with just the age of a lot of the films. Like there's a there's a certain texture and, and a certain I don't know pace to the edit of certain movies from certain eras that just I don't know. You have to be in the right sort of mood to want to go back in time and revisit that, but. I don't know. There, there's a lot of modern westerns and and borderline modern westerns that I have seen and have really really enjoyed. Like you said, Clint Eastwood, Unforgiven, I think is fantastic. In fact, I've been itching to run out and grab the 4K of that, um, just because I've heard it. It's very it's a very nice disc, mm-hmm. um, and I really do like that movie. Such that the next time I watch it, I wouldn't mind putting down the money to to watch it in the highest fidelity possible. Um, Actually, one of my favorite westerns that I have seen is it's actually not a typical western. It's it's kind of funny that it comes from Sam Peckinpah, who is often noted for his westerns, but in a lot of ways, it's not a conventional western. Uh, I've probably told you about it before the Wild Bunch. Oh yeah, uh, uh, have you seen that one? I, I have not. Nope. Okay, well, I I would I just. I carry that with you, I guess. That that uh, the Wild Bunch of the few westerns that I have seen um, is maybe my favorite. Okay. Um, but it is highly unconventional because it the time period in which it takes place and the themes that it explores. It takes place in like the 1910s, so like there are people wielding like Colt 45, like like automatic pistols. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's not like you know chick 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 chick. We're not doing the six shooter thing, although they do have those in the movie. They're, they have Gatling guns and 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 like automatic pistols. It, yeah. it everything feels out of sorts. Where it's like, hang on, we're still doing the cowboy shit. Like I thought, I thought like I would have thought it was over by now. And that's thematically, that's kind of the point of that story. But I'm tr- I'm struggling. Like I was trying to look this up while you were talking, but I, High Plains Drifter. I'm trying to remember if there there's. One there's a like one Clint Easter like Clint Eastwood western that apparently it's it's like kind of pessimistic like it it carries like an edge to it that some of the other ones don't and I'm trying to remember if that was the one. Um, boy, I don't. It's not Unforgiven, I'm, is it? Or no, it it was from his his earlier it's days. One of his early ones. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, you haven't seen it, so I, I yeah, you know, I can't. <laughs> but, but Sorry, bud. Anyway, I, I'm just trying to remember if I know it by reputation, because obviously the title is uh, iconic, so you would know it by that. But yeah, I I may be getting my wires crossed, but um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of westerns out there. I, like you said, I mean, it's uh, I still haven't really seen much that I'm like, man, I love that western. Like, I feel like. I'm sure there's they're, they're out there. I'm sure there are westerns out there that I will watch and absolutely love. And there's a lot that I watch and I like, but you know, it's there's not that many that I would watch and be like, "Oh man, yeah, one of that's one of my top movies, man." Like I can't think of a single western where I would say that for um but I'm sure they're out there. I just I got to find them. I got to keep digging. Yeah, uh, same with me cuz I I can't say this much. There there are a lot of movies I love that share dna with with the western genre though they very likely are not actually westerns they just have a lot of the same tropes like that stylistically or, or in terms of content they, yeah. they bear some similarities because like the the influence of the western genre is vast but 
um, yeah, it's definitely something I'd, I'd also like to explore a little bit more because I don't even think I've seen a John Ford more movie. And I guess that you can revoke my movie lover's license right here and now because of that. But <laughs> did he did he do the searchers? I'm trying to think. Yes. Okay. He did, I so I, I've at least yeah. seen that. That's one of the and one. John Wayne wasn't welcome in our household when I was a kid. <laughs> I mean, he, I can't fault you on that. I can't fault yeah, you on that. He, he used words that my mom really wasn't a fan of. <laughs> that's that's so, fair. So yeah, John Wayne wasn't welcome in our house. I mean, I yeah. The, I think literally the only John Wayne movie I've ever seen is his last movie. I think it's a uh, McHugh. Um, and I, I want to say that was shot like on the, like on the West coast, like maybe in Oregon or something. Okay. But it, it's, it's like a modern detective movie and he has a fucking Mac 10 in it. <laughs> like <laughs> John Wayne with a submachine gun yeah. mowing people down on the beach. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that sounds pretty good. That sounds pretty good. My dad was enthusiastic about yeah. it. <laughs> he's like, yeah, he's like, yeah, there's this guy driving on the beach and shooting people. I was like, sure, dad. Sounds great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm hoping that maybe this uh, this deadlock film here, because, you know, it's I said it's a German Western. Um, and I, I think this is a thing that people say. I, I've heard it before. Um, unless I imagined it. But, you know, of course, the Italian Westerns, they call it a spaghetti Western. So I think the shorthand for a German Western. I believe they call it a sauerkraut Western. I believe that is, I, I could be wrong on that, but I believe that that is the term that they use. I don't know how many there are, but <laughs> I wouldn't imagine there are too many, but I'll, I'll allow it. Sauerkraut Western schnitzel Western <laughs> is pierogi. Is that German or is that Polish? I can't, uh... I think that's more Polish than so German. If they have any Westerns pierogi Western. Yeah, <laughs> I, I wouldn't be surprised, actually, if there was a Polish Western yeah. out there. I mean, I'm pretty sure everybody has taken a crack at a Western at some point. Yeah, so. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, that was fascinating. <laughs> I, I had no idea there were German Westerns, honestly. There's at least one. <laughs> I'm not going to end strong. <laughs> uh, so I'll just throw this one out there. Because uh, it's what I got, and plus I can just skim through the other ones in the speed round. Uh, so I have here a, a previous episode of the podcast. Actually, um, this was from our, uh, I think it was called "Moving On March Month" from a year or two ago, where was we had, the, with the people that died. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was movies featuring deceased actors and actresses. <laughs> Very um, uplifting so. month. Yeah, you can thank Kyle. For that. <laughs> <laughs> I think he just wanted an excuse to talk about Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah, I, I can't, I can't fault him for that. Then I mean, yeah, for real, it, it was a fun month. Yeah, um, it was, it was good. It was good. I think he did an Anton Yelchin movie, if I'm not mistaken. I think we did two of them actually. There you go. Yeah, because uh, uh, Thoroughbreds was one of them. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Um, Okay, so I have here a movie that, as I said, we have actually talked about at length for the show for that very event month. Um, and this was actually a gift from the very person who is preventing me from rewatching this movie. Uh, so I'm going to throw the girlfriend under the bus again. Uh, so I'll begin, I will end things as I begin. <laughs> so uh, this was a gift from, from her, a very lovely gift. Uh, and this is uh, Disney's 20,000 mm. Leagues Under the Sea. Uh, 
anniversary edition i believe this is from the disney movie club i was gonna say i thought i recognized that yeah that's that looks yeah, like a disney that, movie that club. yellow that yellow border thing yeah so she i think she hit she hit the ebay to get this because she occasionally listens to the show and was made aware that um a lot of these older uh disney live action films only exist on blu-ray in this format uh so that was very cool that was a very lovely gift and this just happens to be one of my favorite disney movies um i was fortunate to be kind of raised on movies like this like uh, we had a lot of old movies in the house and i was always really excited to watch this one solely because of the giant squid <laughs> I would, it was one of those situations where it's like you're a little kid you kind of know how to use the vcr and you're not so good about rewinding and fast forwarding things so it's like you put on the movie knowing full well you really only want to watch the one scene and you end up just watching the whole movie um, so i did that over and yeah. over and over again and also like my my dad had like a family friend that he'd leave me with occasionally that would put this robin hood or uh rodan uh, the godzilla movie mm. with the red pterodactyl guy so like movies from the 50s and the 30s like i would i would end up watching at that guy's house um anyway i've never seen this movie in hd uh, I think the last time I watched it was on a DVD that I actually do own. Um, but for whatever reason, the girlfriend was like, no, you you love that movie, so you need to have an HD. And so I was like, thank you. That's actually very kind. <laughs> um, but she hasn't seen it. So the next time I watch it, obviously, I'd, I'd like to sit down and watch it with her. But as I said about Tom Popo, haven't found the time for it. <laughs> yeah. But, um, I am very excited to check this out in HD, though. Uh, because this this movie's awesome. I I know it frontwards and backwards. I love it. Um, and also, for fuck's sake, it it won the Academy Award for Best Special Effects uh, of the year of its release, 1954, same year as Godzilla, although that was a Japanese film, so it wasn't included in those awards. But um, have you seen that one, Brad? No, I, maybe I've seen the uh, squid scene. I can't remember if I've just seen images or if I've actually seen the scene, but I've never actually seen the movie. Yeah, I, I would recommend it. It's probably on Disney Plus. I would imagine. Yeah. Like, I I would hope so. That'd be really insulting if it wasn't, because it is part of the catalog. Yeah, that was actually. I've I've read the book though. It was it was a book, right? Yeah, Jules Verne. Yeah. Okay. I was like, it's not one of those uh, plays or something, right? Um, <laughs> I should know because it was my, my that was my senior um senior year of high school. That was my final like big book report project. Oh, okay. Yeah, and uh, I think I chose it because the the squid. It's fucking cool, man. Never well, watched maybe, watch the movie, but maybe you saw Sphere or Red Sphere, and it lingered in the back of your mind that 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 the the novel like factors into the narrative of that story. Mm -hmm. Like, do you have any idea what I'm talking about here? No. <laughs> have you seen Sphere or Red Sphere? I don't think so. No. Oh wow, Sphere. Brad, actually, that's an assignment for you. Um, I'm I'm sorry to be cruel to you because there's a very good chance you'll walk away from this hating me. But Sphere was one of those movies that, for whatever the fuck reason, me and some of the some of my friends, we have all seen it an ungodly number of times. Really, and it and it is not good. Like it is really not good. But for whatever reason, we, me and some of my friends, have just seen it so many fucking times. Um, anyway, there's a there's a subplot in in Sphere in the novel and the movie. Uh, it's a Michael Crichton novel, 
um, and a late 90s uh, movie. I think it was like 97, around there. Um, Dustin Hoffman, Samuel L. Jackson, Sharon Stone. Uh, very young, uh, what's-his-face, Leif Schreiber. That's the first time I ever saw him, actually, and I was very impressed with him as a kid. Uh, it was either that or Scream. I can't remember where I first saw him. It was one of those two. Um, anyway, there's a subplot where one of the characters has a squid phobia that comes from reading 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea when they were young. Mm. Um, and it does factor into the plot to some degree. Um, but yeah, maybe check out that movie and let me know if I'm a fucking idiot <laughs> that wasted a lot of his time as a kid. <laughs> because it, I, my memories of it, like in retrospect, I'm like, wow, that movie really sucked. <laughs> but, but I've seen it so many fucking times. Yeah, I, not as an adult though not as an adult i can't believe i i'm sure i've heard of this but uh can't believe i haven't heard more about it yeah me too actually well no that's not true as far as i understand it was a flop and it and nobody liked it i just saw it a lot <laughs> and yeah. apparently people in my orbit saw it a lot but um, the cast and barry levinson as the director i mean geez don't forget queen latifah i forgot queen latifah oh, wow, even better latifah. yeah I think it was before she had a talk show. Now, uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea, though uh, I would say is an excellent film. Uh, it it's it's a it does have a little bit of that fifties vibe to it, where it does drag at times. So for like a, a younger audience today, I don't know if it would work if they're accustomed to watching, you know, fucking Minions all the time or something. Um, but for me as a kid, I loved it. Um, and I, I still do. It has a lovely soundtrack. Uh, the, the effects work and the, the costuming and the sets are wonderful. Kirk Douglas was a huge part of why I loved it as a kid and continue to. That's He was the actor that we were spotlighting uh, in Moving That's On right. March. Because, I mean, it came out in 1954. I'm pretty sure Peter Laurie was dead by 2020 or whatever, whenever we were talking about him. Pretty sure James Mason was dead, too. Pretty sure everybody in the fucking movie was dead. They're all but, gone. Yeah. But... Kirk Douglas was the one that we we're specifically focusing on, and and he's awesome in it. He plays Ned Land, the uh, harpooner, and he has a musical number. It's a sea shanty. It's delightful. Nice. <laughs> it's absolutely delightful. <laughs> but yeah, uh, maybe check it out sometime, Brad. Yeah, I would like sure to see that. It is on Disney Plus. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's. I guess that's it for our picks. Um, I'm about tapped out. Yep. Same here. Okay, well, uh, folks at home, uh, dear listeners and or viewers, uh, this is the portion of the show where we wrap things up with something we like to call the speed round. And essentially what we're going to be doing here is uh, instead of having a full-on seminar or a conversation about each of our picks going forward, we're just going to like breeze through things right quick and just show off our wares, any of our uh, honorable mentions. Uh, so, Brad, do you need a minute to collect yours, or uh, should I go first? I or mean, I've got them right here if you want me to go have at it all right so i've, I've got because i've been doing doubles i've only got i've got six titles here so i had i had a big pile to start with but um two of the titles that uh of course we've gone over before i buy all the vestron titles so of course i'm gonna have a huge backlog on that i'll just highlight honestly uh two of the more recent ones we've got steel dawn with patrick swayze a sword and sandals film that's a genre that i uh have very little familiarity with that i I don't have much interest in um again this is purely a completionist purchase 
this is one kind of a completionist purchase, but I'm a little more interested in it, which maybe says more about me, is uh, Candyman Day of the Dead. Ooh. Um, I actually really like that artwork. I think that's I I do too. Some good I think art. it's striking. Yeah. Is that two or three? I think it's three. So yeah, farewell to the flesh. I think is two. Yeah, which is a way better title. Um, so yeah, I, I day day of the dead's like uh, yeah, yeah. Um, we, we've heard that, been here, done that. <laughs> um, which I have not seen the second one, and honestly, this is might be a hot take. I'm not the biggest Candyman fan. I'll be honest. I don't know. Every time I watch it, I think, all right, I'm gonna love it this time. And I think there's some great atmosphere in it, but I don't know. The second half. It really just doesn't do much for me with Virginia Madsen going crazy and nobody believing her. It's, uh, I don't know. I, I like the ideas and Tony Todd is great. Like the villain is great, but I don't know. It's just, that never really clicks with me. I agree. Uh, especially the ideas. Yeah. There's a lot of very, very, very interesting ideas in that film. I don't think they're expressed particularly remarkably well, mm-hmm. but there, but there is something going on there that is fascinating and worth exploring um, I know you reviewed it, but the remake, um, should I give that a look? I forget if, if it was a recommend or not. Mm, I think I was kind of mixed on it. Like, I think, the, I think there were some good ideas and a few, um, there's a few good sequences, like slasher horror sequences, but overall, I don't know. It kind of just felt like it didn't all come together. Like it was just, it was that, missing that was, something. That was my suspicion, but I will say this much: whoever cut the trailer together for that deserves a raise. Cause yeah, that was a whole. That was a holy shit good trailer. Mm-hmm. Like very well put together, very very enticing. Yeah. Um, anyway, proceed. <laughs> um, and the rest are just uh, Kino titles. A few Kino titles here. These ones I've I've had these for a little while, but also Clint Eastwood movies, both starring and directed. Um, I did stock up on some of his in one of their sales. We've got Play Misty for Me which is uh, his debut, I believe, and it is a bit of a thriller horror film, so I, I think I would uh, it'd be up my angle, I, or, yeah, my alley, whatever you want to say. So I would like to see that. Um, and this one, uh, I've heard some pretty good things about uh, the Iger Sanction. Ah, Have yeah, you seen that's, this? A, that's a dad movie. I haven't seen it, but that is a dad fucking movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sounds like it'd be fun. Sounds like what is, he's, like, I don't know, climbing a mountain, and there's, like, it's an action movie. It's kind of like a cliffhanger sort of deal i think or a dad movie yeah, yeah. so um and then uh these two i just purchased in the last kino sale um the first one is uh fx and fx2 hey you got it yep we did i know we highlighted that in one of our blu-ray uh episodes uh i was glad this was included in the sale great deal on this uh i'm excited to watch these and the other one, this was kind of a, like, just off-the-cuff, off-the-fly purchase. Didn't really know much about the film. But, you know, I'm I'm a sucker for slip covers. I hate to say it, but when I'm shopping the Kino site, I'm like, oh, that still is a slip. My interest peaks. And I did a little research into this film, and I'm like, that actually sounds like it'd be up my alley. So I bought um, a movie called Gambit. Not the superhero Gambit. This stars uh, Michael Caine and Shirley. You just you just broke Santino's heart. Yeah. <laughs> not 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 that Gambit, unfortunately. No superhero shit. He's in not this wearing one. a head saw. Yeah. <laughs> no. Uh. Yeah. Um. I mean, Shirley MacLaine and Michael Caine, both just you, you gotta love them. And this is a bit of a caper. I think it's kind of a, a light, fun sort of caper film, which I like. And uh, you know, it's just the. Uh, 
film I really didn't know much about, but I, I looked it up on uh, Letterboxd just to see what people said about it, and it was getting pretty uh, pretty good ratings. And I said, let's pop on this bad boy, which, you know, it's just one of the great things about these labels. They put out some films that you maybe would have never heard about before, and then you're like, well, it's got a slipcover. I'll buy it, and then you buy it, and you'll love it when you finally watch it. So beautiful. Yeah, it's always fun when you stumble across things like that. Just the cover art for that one and the very charismatic cast suggests it's probably a good one. Yeah, um, definitely. It has a very uh, funky 60s vibe to it, plus the plus it's a caper with a bunch of lanes in it. Mm-hmm. Like we, got a, we got Kane and McLean. Kane, yep. <laughs> Kane, McLean, Lane, yep. Perfect combo. <laughs> okay, well, uh, let's see what I got here. So, as is customary, I do have more picks than you. That's only because I literally grabbed everything I have. Um, And unfortunately, not all of these are going to be interesting. (laughs) But it it is what it is. Okay. So, I have here to kick things off. um, Something that I have actually cracked open, but have not completed. Uh, This isn't one of my very few aero discs and it's a three pack actually mm. uh, this would be a uh, takashi miike's uh, dead or alive trilogy oh. uh, these are a series of yakuza films that are anything but um takashi miike is a he's a fucking demon in the editing room uh, he 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 just takes a chainsaw to things and produces miracles um the, these films came out when he was kind of at the height of his powers or at least the height of his output um, funny enough, uh, kind of similar to what I said about Hideaki Anno, uh, the guy who made uh, Evangelion. Um, Takashi Miike started out as like a trash sh- cinema, like direct DVD guy who was just making the most explo- exploitation garbage imaginable. But exploitation garbage in in that that's the genre it fits into. But in terms of the the talent, the cinematic filmmaking ability exhibited in those films. He was always good. It's just he he made trashy fucking films, yeah. <laughs> but he was always good. So I'm not criticizing the man. Um, anyway, he went from that in the early 2000s uh, to now, like in more recent years, he's been like doing the equivalent of like MCU movies, uh, but in Japan. Mm-hmm. So you never know where you're gonna go. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. you never know where you're gonna end up. Um, I also have a. Ghost in the Shell on 4K, which Brad had mentioned he has seen. Um, this is apparent. Uh, I was reading something on Blu-ray.com, which I don't often do. Brad does all the time. Uh, that apparently they they changed the ending music for this version of the film. Oh, really? Yeah, it, it's very strange. And and in fact, Ghost in the Shell exists in a few different iterations, um, which is why I haven't gotten rid of my Blu-ray of it just yet, because the the Blu-ray I have is like a 2.0 version that has like a it has additional digital effects and a completely different color scheme to it, which I, I absolutely detest. Like, I think it's abhorrent. Mm-hmm. Um, so I watched the, the like, uglier version of the movie because it isn't as HD-ified as the 2.0 version, which is why I have this, uh, so I can actually watch the movie in high fidelity, although obviously I haven't done it just yet. Um, I also have uh, another thing we mentioned earlier, uh, Akira. Mm, on yep. 4k i did watch the opening on 4k okay because that's that is one of the most amazing fucking things you'll ever see um and as soon as i got the disc i was like well i gotta see that 
But the th- the thing with Akira, the thing that always happens with that movie is that I always keep it in the back of my mind where it ends up, because the f- the finale of that movie, I don't care who you are, it's uncomfortable. Oh, okay. It, it, is, it gets under your skin and it makes you squirm a little bit. Ooh. And the, and kind of similar to a James Gunn Slither. I I actually really enjoyed that movie and I actually did see that movie in the theater with my friend, like. I don't know many people who can claim that, but uh, there are certain images in that movie that I just really don't want to see again. <laughs> That's <laughs> even fair. Though I, even though I really did enjoy that movie and kind of similar to Akira, where mm-hmm. it's like, it's a fantastic movie, and then you get to that final reel, and it's like, mm. <laughs> it's like, does the animation have to be that good? <laughs> I am intrigued. I am very intrigued. I, I'm I know you're into some nasty shit, Brad. I am too. Like you and I, we're we're not afraid of gore. Yeah. Like you and I, we we invite it. I mean, for fuck's sake, Candyman three, <laughs> shit, that ain't nothing. <laughs> but that's some that's some kid glove shit. But there's certain there's certain things like like me and uh the Blob eighty eight. Um, there's just certain things like certain things that just don't. It, it's it's like seared into my memory from youth. Where it's like it, it, I know it's not exceptionally brutal or anything. It's just maybe it, it's because of my uh, memories of when I first experienced or yeah. something. Maybe it's a, a form of trauma or something. But, uh, yeah, uh, pretty fucking brutal. There, there's a couple of images there at the end that are, I don't care who you are. It's pretty fucking rough. Um, so now Brad's gonna run out and watch it tonight. <laughs> That's what you should have told ma- me to, to start I, I said with. Said the magic word. You're over <laughs> here. This movie's it's it's a landmark anime film. It's beautiful. Blah 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 blah. I'm like, yeah, I'll watch it someday. And then you're like, oh, there's some you know some disturbing shit in the last act or whatever. Yeah, like, Brad, Brad's over here being like disturbing, yeah. rough. <laughs> <laughs> disgusting <laughs> ah. i'm in i'm in baby i'm in baby <laughs> well there you go <laughs> i'm not lying either i'm not i'm not like falsely hyping it up just to tease you um okay i also have uh, another movie that i'm uh, ashamed to admit i haven't watched um people people like you feel free to shit on me for not having watched this oh. yet brad but jcvd <laughs> Uh, <laughs> you didn't see that coming, did you? <laughs> I have no judgment. Uh, that's you're good in my book. Okay, well, this movie is actually supposed to be legit, very, very good. Yeah, I think you've told um, me that, that it's supposed yeah. to be good. Yeah, it, there's a lot of meta commentary going on in it. Um, I actually did start it a long time ago. I just didn't finish it for whatever fucking reason. Um, I don't, I can't recall exactly what the circumstances were. I did enjoy what I saw. Um, and my brother is probably going to shit all over me now. I thought you were <laughs> going like, to show me like Goodfellas or The Godfather or. <laughs> oh, uh, no, it, not that bad. Like I have seen those. I, I, I do own The Godfather. Oddly enough, I don't. I really don't have many Scorsese films, mostly because I, I saw them a lot at a certain time in my life. And it it's kind of like Star Wars for me, I guess. Yeah, it's like. I got my fill. It's like it, it exists rent free up here. Like I don't need to rewatch it all the time. Although Goodfellas does sound pretty fucking good right now. <laughs> um, I have uh, The Rooftop, which is a Taiwanese musical. Um, and I I missed the window on this one, such that I should probably just d- get rid of this because uh, this is a Jay Cho film. Uh, he's a Taiwanese pop star that is immensely talented, actually. I actually really enjoyed his music for a long time. 
Um, but I haven't checked in on him in a very long time, and that's a Taiwanese musical that he wrote the music for and stars in. And uh, like I said, I haven't given a shit about the guy in several years, so I probably I probably should just dump that movie. I don't when think they, I'm going to watch it. You know what they say, when you miss the window, dump it out the window. Toss it out the window. <laughs> yeah, I, I very well may get rid of that without there ever watching it. Um, I have a movie I have seen. It's just... Uh, I, I think I saw it via a streaming service before the disc came out. Uh, Reborn. I mean, actually, this is a double dip. Uh, I own a uh, a foreign region version of this movie that was falsely advertised as being region free. So I rebought this via uh, RLJE Films, yeah. who specialize in crap. Um, this movie is not crap. This movie's fucking awesome. It's two hours of Takasakaguchi stabbing people. Um, so if you're into that. There you go. Uh, I have Still in the Shrink Wrap uh, from a Christmas gift my brother got me. Uncut Gems from the Ooh, Criterion Collection nice. on 4K. Very excited to rewatch that one. Um, my brother got me that. Uh, very excited to rewatch it. Um, I have the Helvetica documentary about the font. Helvetica. Um, I used to work for a design company, and uh, the the my boss was obsessed with Helvetica. So I, I picked that up from like a secondhand store and just... <laughs> I never watched it. <laughs> I have a anime series that um, is apparently inspired by Dungeons and Dragons. It's a record of Lodos War. This is a uh, like, what is this like paper stock material box set? Oh, okay. So it's like it's those hideous clamshell case things that are made of paper. Yeah. Uh, but mostly the reason I have this is I've never seen the show. I I, I have a couple art books from it, but um. This is from U.S. Manga Corps, which is like a a vintage uh, importer of anime titles that existed in the blockbuster era. Um, so I, I have some nostalgia for shit like this because these were tapes you could rent from your, your local mom and pop store mm-hmm. if you were lucky. Um, I have a couple of cop- uh, yeah a couple of Coppolas. I got Apocalypse Now Final Cut, the 4K. Uh, I got Dracula. 4k um actually excited to rewatch both of those especially the apocalypse now because that's a different cut apparently mm. something drive brad nuts um i have my boy scott adkins one shot on blu-ray which I, I i the only reason i haven't watched this is because i i watched it via streaming service like five minutes earlier so it's like i don't need to watch this a third time i did a fucking solo review of that i got my fill of one shot for at least another calendar year uh, i have resident evil welcome to raccoon city i was really hoping to do a review of that with like a collaboration with whoever the fuck on the internet about that one didn't come together so i was like fuck that i'm not gonna rewatch that until until it's for fucking work <laughs> um, i've uh, still in the shrink wrap Another Christmas gift from the brother, Big Trouble in Little China from Shout Factory. Mm. Excellent movie. Seen it a million times. Um, I don't think the girlfriend has, though. So that's that's another one there you to go. throw on that pile. I have Grave of the Fireflies from Sentai Filmworks. Too goddamn sad. Seen it before, but is so goddamn sad. <laughs> um, I have a documentary that I, I should watch, but have not. Um, and I maybe have to vet it before I hand it off to him, but I'm sure Kyle would be interested. Um, Memory, mm. the origin of Alien. 
Um, I actually don't know if this is good or not, <laughs> um, but I caught wind of it a long time before it came out, and then when it popped up, I was like, oh, I heard of that. I may as well check that out. And then finally, uh, No Time to Die on 4K, which I did see in the theater. We did, You and I did talk about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. It's a very enjoyable conversation and a very enjoyable movie, if you ask me. Um, I'm actually really, really excited to rewatch that one, but that slightly gets filed under the too damn long category <laughs> a little bit yeah just a little bit like I, I'm, I'm i am genuinely very excited to rewatch it because I, I did enjoy it but um two two hours and 45 man that's a big ask yeah gotta give it a little little space and then you know you'll be ready for it again yeah yeah um but yeah i guess that's about it for our backlog boogie part duh nice um but yeah, great episode, Brad. I had a lot of fun with yeah. this one. I'm really glad you uh, you cheated a little bit and you showed off some more of your shit because I, I I love check I love peering into your collection because mine mine's there. Like it's like your stuff is the big mystery to me. Well, I got a big backlog, so it's it was no uh, no issues. They got lots to choose from. <laughs> well, now you get to go to bed feeling guilty yeah. and sour. <laughs> it's like, oh shit, I got so much to watch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, anyway, that's why we do these conversations, though, is to feel just a little bit better about it. But thank you so much for joining me, Brad, as always. Uh, it's always a grand old time to have you on the show. Um, but before we go, uh, would you care to let the folks at home know where they can find you and your very awesome podcast? Yeah, it's the Cinema Speak podcast. So wherever you find podcasts, we're there. iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter. It's at the Cinema Speak. On Instagram as Cinema Speak Podcast. On YouTube as Cinema Speak. And you can just find us on the web at cinemaspeak.libsyn.com. Very nice. Well said. Um, by the way, do you have any uh, YouTube videos in the pipe at the moment? I, I did actually record a, a quick YouTube video, a quick uh, a quickie kino unboxing. Um, so I have to edit it. So we'll see if that c- comes to fruition or whatnot. But I did uh, record one. So there is one in the works at least. Yeah, just like filmmaking, shooting the thing is one thing. Editing it is quite another. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm very familiar with the struggle. Uh, hopefully you can get that done because I'd, I'd be very excited to see that. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, folks at home, if you'd like to catch up on any of our uh, Catching Up on Cinema content, uh, you can do so by navigating to our website at catchinguponcinema.com. Uh, you can also find us on the Instagram at Catching Up on Cinema as well as the Twitter at Catching Cinema. So feel free to hit me up at either of those. Uh, and the podcast is also available on pretty much every platform you can imagine, including Cephalopod. So fucking Google it. That being said, thank you so much for listening and or watching, hopefully watching, and we will catch you next time. Next time.